What's up? This is a book club. Um, today we're we're looking a little different than usual. Um, so if you're tuning in for some laughs, um, stay tuned. There won't be any. <laughs> it's 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 looking a lot different. We don't have Pete here today. He's busy cutting hair, um, and he's building a motorcycle. He's you know he's a busy ass dude. Um, but I'm sitting here with Cake, you know the other founding founding so, father. Father. Yeah, um, on the Mount Rushmore of this is a book club, and then uh, this is the first time that we have someone outside of us three, and uh, it's I'm really excited to have him on here. He's uh, one of my really good buddies, um, Dom. Yay! What's up? Yay! Yay! Indeed, dude. Um, so, <laughs> well, for those. I'm assuming all four people that listen to this know who Dom is because you know who I am. <laughs> um, but uh, me and Dom, we've been friends, shit, about a decade? I would say. Yeah? If not um, a little more. Yeah. Uh, I, re- I met you before I was 20, I think. You think so? Yeah. Well, we probably met in 2009, 2010. I was 19. Yep. So yeah, yeah, about 10, 11 years. That's crazy. Yeah. I remember the first time I met you. Do you want to know the story? Yes, I do. Okay. So we're going out on tour together, and I'm in a band that you can't really, like, say on... I wasn't in the band, but I was with them. You can't say it on, on air anymore, or can't really talk about it. Um, but you were with a band called Nothing to Nothing. Right. From Columbia, Missouri. Um, and you were... That was the first time you were with them? That was the first time you remember meeting me? Yeah. Okay. And we were at the... Ambets, like I've seen you around before, right? Right, but that but, was the first connection, yes. Okay, and um, at that time, like you know, Cedar Falls, Waterloo, and Des Moines, we were like cool, right? But like, obviously, right. CF Waterloo is like way sicker, <laughs> and, and and I was like, oh, they're bringing this guy with them, you know. And so, I think it was nothing, nothing was playing like a hard ass song, and I was just like, well, let's see if he can hang, and I just bash you in the head, dude. <laughs> do you remember I don't that? Remember. Yeah, that you probably wouldn't, dude, because I knocked your ass out, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, I've never been knocked out. <laughs> and then, and then you, and then after their set, you're like, you came up to me and like we were talking. And you're like, yeah, man, you bashed me hard, and I was like, all right, we're gonna be bros, dude. Yeah, I didn't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and then from there on out, like, I mean, we were like, it was cool. Yeah, we were fucking hanging every night, obviously, because we're yeah. both at the merch tables and stuff, and. I mean, that was really, like, there wasn't, like, probably, like, a week and a half where I didn't see you for, like, two years. Um, yeah. Because we were, like, we were touring. We were traveling then, a lot, man. Yeah, like, a lot. Like, two-month-long tours at, at a uh, time. And, <laughs> Home for a week well, and then <laughs> back well, at it. We'd hit one, one tour with one band, and then you'd come with mine. Yep. And, honestly, both of those were, like... Like was one wild. was like one was like, hey, this is like cool, and like you'll stay at people's houses, and it's like nice. And then and the other one laundry. is real racy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Deep like Alabama country. <laughs> yeah, we uh, like staying at like some crust punk castles. Oh my god, I remember the one in uh, it was South Carolina, and like the power cut out when we were playing because Thomas, like, I mean, he had every amp under the sun yeah. plugged in. Power goes out. <laughs> And it was a great show. It was badass. Um, and, like, Lucero was playing down the street, so I was bummed because I wanted to see them, but I had to play in this shitty band. Man. Um, 
sometimes. Yeah. Johnny but, Dexter. Dude, <laughs> uh, dude, I just got tattooed by him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was a small world, That's not right? bad. It was a lot of fun. He's a cool uh, guy. Um, You slapped him in the mouth? You were like, say it no, again. No, it was Thomas. Oh, you said you slapped Thomas. Me That's and Thomas what... had a thing, that, that tour. I watched Ongbach right before that tour, so I was practicing oh, all those yeah, moves dude, on you Thomas. Fucking, you, at the Chestnut House in Louisville, you fucking... <laughs> drop kicked him. Drop kneed him into the bushes. Oh, I remember that. Like, it was... Like, it's a movie playing in my head, dude. That was the, one I of the most violent that. things I've ever seen in my <laughs> life, dude. <laughs> I asked him if I could do it, too. That was the funny yeah, part. And then, he goes, uh, sure, dude. And this, explain, <laughs> this explains why he started doing steroids and powerlifting, you know, oh. because we just, like, we got Dom over here beating his ass. Like, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, so that's how I know Dom. <laughs> no, Johnny was encouraging me to slap Thomas. Yeah, someone spit in someone's face. Yeah, that that was not me. I spit on somebody else we, we don't have to mention. <laughs> but he wasn't a part of that band. I don't remember anything about it's that. It's all good. We can move on. <laughs> no, I think I remember. But I don't. You know, whatever, dude. Uh, if you're listening, you probably are. Because we have a fan base of millions. Um, That's right. If you've been spit on by Dom, I am actually envious. Two or three of you. <laughs> all right dude so well so that's the, that's about as funny as we're gonna get and that was a lot of inside jokes that's it. Um, the really the this is a book club we were gonna take a break from this for a while because of the state of the world right now um it's not it's not really like cool for anyone to like be like plugging up airwaves or uh like social media stuff with their own like with their art, you know, right now, um, because, like, liter literally, like, the revolution is happening, uh, or the at revolution least... revolution is now. It's starting, dude, and it's it's crazy, because it's actually televised. They say the revolution will be televised, but everyone has a cell phone, so it's being, it's crazy, dude. Um, so, we didn't really want to take away from that, but then, man, it must have been, like, a week ago, you posted that you had read Between the World and Me by... Uh, Coates. Um, and I was like, shit, I have that book. And after, after college, I, I kind of stopped reading yeah. for one, I stopped reading in general. And then two, like to open something that's like, um, any reflection of so like society or anything. I was like real hard pressed to do, um, because of my schooling and, uh, I was I was just burnt out on it, you know. Yeah. Um, I've never talked about it on this podcast, uh, but I, I have some humanities degrees, so uh, there. That's that's why Ooh. I like reading. Yeah. And so you do too, kind of. Um, I work in the field. Yeah. More or less, but well, what is no it that degrees? Really. What, say what you do. Uh, I I provide respite care. Yes. And I also, um, I work with 6th, 7th, and 8th graders with a hip-hop program. Oh, so yeah. I, teach, I work with kids a lot. And <clears throat> on the respite end of it, it um, happens to be my siblings, like my brothers. Mm -hmm. And they're on the autistic spectrum. So That's what's it's up, real man. intense. It gets yeah. real. Got to have big, strong heart to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a strong heart. And even stronger sense of patience. Oh, yeah. No, and my patience of... Every time I feel like they get short, 
I realized that they're really growing. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. It's crazy. But yeah. Yeah, it's, and the hip hop program, what exactly like are you are you teaching kids how to like produce a song? Like um, well, with every, with COVID and everything going virtual, it's a little hard right now, but originally we were able to get the kids to actually make their own songs, make their own uh, beats, write their own lyrics, perform it. In the summer program, they could perform at 8035, so they get a oh, live, live performance under their belt yeah. with original music that they actually wrote with us. And during the summer, or during the after school program, it's more about recording and trying to get them Word. to take an actual song home that they created. They can I'm show sure. their friends yeah. and their family for That's real. At 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, like, yeah. I didn't have nothing like that. I had no yeah. outlets like that at all. Well, it was for us. That wasn't even an option. It wasn't like no. like <laughs> it was almost unattainable. You know. Yeah, uh, and but, for me, it was just it was a wild fantasy for real. Like, like because I don't know. I liked both the hip hop and the rock and roll and the metal and stuff. So on both sides of my spectrum, I was not accepted, and so it was really <laughs> weird <laughs> trying to get access to all of these things. I bet, man. Mm-hmm. Uh. So what's what's the program called? That it's just the uh, Des Moines Music Coalition's Hip Hop One Hundred and One. That's sick. Yeah, that's real sick. Um, so a little kids in shelter, like at where I work at the shelter, uh, there's there's a there's a music therapist, cool. and um, there, there, historically there's been like talent shows, and usually there's like an older boy that will write and then perform mm-hmm. a hip hop song, and it's always like it always floors you dude yeah like where you're like one like this this kid is 15 you know and yeah. like is and writing talking about the realest shit probably and they're they're writing better words than i cuss? yeah okay cool. fuck shit piss you know like fuck don't even edit that out <laughs> um they're they're writing better words than i've ever written you know and then it's heavy it's heavy yeah. it's heavy stuff so I'm, I'm sure that you see that and you're just yeah, um, I mean that's such a good outlet for people like yeah. music and. Uh, it, Sometimes yeah, I yeah. get in the car after a class after, like working with a specific kid for so long and having them actually read it to me what they've done after they've hit it for a couple weeks. Yeah, and I have to like cleanse myself before I go home and not take some stuff home with me because, I'm like, wow, is this kid really going through this? Is he trying to act cool? Is he trying to be accepted, or is he really in this kind of pain? And then I have to come back the next class and uh, address it to him in Uh a way that isn't going to be dicey or get me or him in trouble or anybody, you know? Because we're we're not trying to censor them, but at the same time, like we got to watch what they what they say. (laughs) (laughs) Some of these kids are talking real wild. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Especially with the influences that might be out there in the hip hop world specifically right now. Like there's some some real I don't know, crazy characters out there <laughs> that aren't a great influence. And that's what's attractive, especially when you're twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Right, yeah. I'm I mean I guess that uh that is also mirrored in hardcore, you Absolutely. know, too like On any any genre, I'm sure. Yeah. But fuck yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sitting, I'm not sitting helping 15 year olds write a hardcore song. Like, <laughs> I would never screen, do that. Yeah. I, would never, I would never do that. I'd be like, yo, just 
you just gotta try like get the fuck out of my face you know like so kudos to you man like uh that program's really really fucking cool um um donate to them uh donate to them Des Moines um, Music Coalition yeah I'm just hip hop program yeah even just go by Dom's house give him 20 bucks I bet he would be psyched I'll make sure it goes there or yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put it in my own pocket <laughs> <laughs> so alright we kinda we went off track here but we so you posted this book on your Instagram story yeah. the, Between the World and Me and I was like shit dude I have that I haven't read it this would be a good time to read it and we kind of have this thing already established where, okay, well, we can talk about it, you know? Um, and I was really excited to talk to it about, about this book with you. One, because like, okay, I have a lot of smart friends, right? But you're like, they're actually kind of dumb, but you're like, actually like one of my smart friends. You know, so I'm honored one, to be one of your smart friends. Yeah, there's like four. <laughs> You're definitely one of my smart friends too. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Uh, I fake it a lot, but I don't know about Kate, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, claim anything. <laughs> I'll just I'll just keep talking until you think I'm smart. That's that's what it is. Kate can give me good uh, diet stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm I'm excited to talk to it. Talk with this book. Talk about this book with you. Yes, sir. But I'm also excited because like. There's like, Dom, there's not, in Iowa, in the Midwest, there's not a lot of black dudes in hardcore. Right. One, I would like, like, talk about it, you know, like, yeah, like your experiences and shit like that. And we've kind of delved into that before, like growing up in runnels and shit. And like, I like, still, I think about the stories that you tell me and like, that you've told me and like, just being like, fuck, man, like, Dom's come a lot, like a long ways, like with dealing with a lot of like barriers and a lot of dumb bullshit. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. um, just to, for some background on myself, um, I'm from Iowa. I was born in Trenton, New Jersey. My father is black and my mother is white and they were never together. So after about three years, they split. My mom moved myself to Iowa and, uh, we had about three years alone and then she remarried to a white man, so I was raised in a white household, really, and um, any access to anything black culture was really hard, really hard to, to get to, you know, like, I I was in a trailer park, predominantly white trailer park, went to a predominantly white school, finally, in junior high, I got to Des Moines Public Schools, and I was in a, I had a bunch of black friends, like, I hadn't had black friends since... I was in New Jersey at age three. You know what I mean? Right. So then we moved out to the country in Runnels, which is about 20, 30 minutes from Des Moines. And there's even less black people, about 500 people that lived there at the time. I was literally the only black kid. And I had a white family. So <laughs> it was crazy, man. And uh, You're like an island. It's, it, yeah. It was just a small town in the middle of the country, 20-minute bus ride to school every day. Like, I got to school and kids are asking me where I'm from, but they didn't mean, like, like what part of town you're from. They meant, yeah. like, what country I was from. And when right. I said I went to Goodville, just 20 minutes away, they didn't fucking believe me. Like, right. Right. <laughs> they thought I was from another planet, which is so crazy because that's how this book talks about it. They talk about that stuff like it's, like it's a whole other galaxy. And when I read it, like, that's what clicked the most to me was... 
it felt like a whole other world away, especially being in hardcore, mm-hmm. like um, feeling home to that that music, that aggression, because that's what I felt not being accepted by my black friends or my white friends that I wanted to be accepted by. Mm-hmm. Felt anger. I could let that out at a hardcore show, but then come to find out after the show, nobody really wants to be my friend because they're closet racist or like. I, I, I was a straight edge for a while, and I thought that was accepting. But uh-huh. then come to find out, everybody that's straight edge, for the most part, that I met at these shows are like, they just throwing nigger around, like throwing weights around, and throwing the word nigger around, just like they throw the weights around for real, mm-hmm. though. And it was discouraging, because I'm also seeing black people that I thought I looked up to in that whole lifestyle, and they're just silent. And I'm not that type of person. I couldn't be silent to that type of shit. Like, right. And even, like, outside of that, like, it got to a point where people I was close to, like, we would be in a van. And I would be listening to music that I like, like Dead Prez. And they have a song called I'm an African. Uh-huh. And it's just, I'm an African. I'm an African. And I know what's happening. They go on to talk about apartheid, Marcus Garvey, mm-hmm. Malcolm X, all the stuff. All black history. And these people are like, would you like it if I had a song that I played that I'm a white man, I'm a white... I'm like, bro, the ignorance is, is outlandish. And after yeah. a while, I just couldn't fucking do it no more. Yeah. Let alone all the other personal shit that led up to me not really touring and whatever. But I, I got a huge distaste for it in my mouth. Like, I love hardcore. It'll always be a part of me. But it really did drive me away because, like you said, there's not many black people in the Midwest, let alone the whole genre... <laughs> itself <laughs> so yeah. it's not a very inviting thing i can count how many black men or just people of color in general that i see and you got to go to socal for yeah. most of it right yeah like mm-hmm. thank god for rotting out man because i actually met those dudes and they embraced me like fucking i met them with you yeah yeah but when we met when i met rotting out i was with you and they treated me like they knew me my whole life and <laughs> that uh but that was very far and few between in hardcore. Like, you think that's what it is, but as soon as they get in their van, you get a text message from somebody like, man, this this happened, or so-and-so uh-huh. said this, and then it's all drama. You know what I mean? Yeah. And half the time, it was about fucking skin color or some, some shit that was stupid. Yeah, man. Uh, there's fucking no excuse for how people behaved back then. No excuse for it continuing. Um, you know, chances are, uh, let's let's just pop it open. You know, yeah. uh, chances are the people that you think are cool were not cool back then, and they just now are like they're all gritting their teeth and waiting. You know, the people that are talking the mm-hmm. most about it are the ones that probably did the most fucked up shit five years ago. You know, before this was a conversation that we were having. You know, um, I'm dude. I'm not fucking innocent. I was. You know, you're a kid, you're a fucking asshole, you don't know shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, well, that's that's part of it, too, is, like, I'm not a person to stay silent, but in some of those cases I did because I knew that it was something that wasn't necessarily um, on purpose, you know? Like, sometimes people would say shit out of ignorance because they really just didn't know. Right. And, or, like, coming from a small town in Iowa... You know, and not being anywhere else, you you probably haven't ever seen a black man before. 
<laughs> I know there were yeah. plenty of shows that I went to in Cedar Falls or whatever. I walked in, maybe with my friend Scotty, who's 6'2", and dark skin, and we got stared at and targeted because we were there. Mm-hmm. And we just embraced it, really. We just right. we just fed into that energy, you know? We, we got aggressive on the dance floor, and then people stopped fucking with us and or fucked with us even more, <laughs> and it turned into a brawl or some shit, but... Well, I, I, don't I know, just man, like I beat your ass at one time because you had dicky shorts on, you know. Yeah, and that's no. before. That's before. <laughs> like, I mean, it's like cool now to have dickies, but back then you were like, "Holy shit, this guy has dickies on," you yeah. know. Like, <laughs> but uh, hard hardcore, it's like it's making. We'll talk about this book, yeah. but uh, hardcore now, you know, like, and I don't, I'm not afraid to say it, dude. Like, uh. Everyone's real progressive about shit, you know, and I think that's cool. But um, it's also a fad, yeah. dude. How much of this is performative, dude? A lot, you know? definitely. Yeah, and that's I, that's why I, I don't know, man. Like, I felt like a chunk of me was missing when I stopped going to shows as much. Yeah, especially when I stopped traveling with it, being a feeling that energy in a different city, let alone mm-hmm. a different country. And shit like that. Yeah. That's you can't match that anywhere else for real. You mm-hmm. can't get that feeling anywhere else. Like I started making hip hop. I started performing my own shows and opening for people that I looked up to. Still don't have that feeling. Right. Still don't get that same feeling. It's good. Don't get me wrong. But I'm missing that, man. Yeah, <laughs> like, but like you said, it's it's a performance. Like people are faking it until they make mm-hmm. it, and then they're just keeping up with what they've said you know what i mean yeah keeping up with oh who who's x'd out now like who who said who said the wrong the wrong thing about a gender or a race and right. let's just stay on top of that and let's sell all our merch to this like <laughs> and that's a, that's another thing like i think it's sweet that like a bunch of bands have like you know like we're gonna make t-shirts specifically for to donate money to this cause you know but um, have you as a person actually changed? And what are you doing as a person to, to make these changes? Because I've been in a room with some of these people and they're not like that. You Yeah, that <laughs> fuck, dude. I don't, I don't fucking... Oh, dude. Probably not a lot. You know, you can't... How much was can it you, their manager, their road manager, that was like, hey, this is probably a good idea for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like a whole merch team because you see whole merch stores doing it. Like, right. You got to question this. Don't believe everything that you see. Like... Don't believe that everything that you see people doing as good intentions is actually good intentions. Right. I, they say something about that in this book, I believe. Yeah. About good intentions. And to finish my thought on it too, um, I think collectively, like the hardcore hardcore people have like raised thousands upon thousands of dollars right now. Like, I don't. Yeah. Kate, do you have any idea? Um, I don't know how I have any idea for exact numbers, <coughs> but. Every time I like hop on the internet, a different band is either printed new shirts or mm. printing more yeah. shirts, yeah. or even doing something. You know, they're doing band camp donations for yeah. their music, and and that's that's so fucking sick. And I don't want people to get it twisted that right. this money is going somewhere that's cool and stuff. But I think it I think it really sucks that hardcore had to raise this money through wanting a li- like a limited edition shirts. You know, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, if you have, I don't. That shouldn't have to be. You the have to sell thing. a test press to get this kind of money. You have to get rid of something that could have been 
cool in a whole different way. Right, Instead, right. now it's attached to something bad for real. Yeah. It's attached to pain. And this is some pain that worry somebody like me has felt my whole fucking life. And it's new to a lot of other people. A lot of these people that are just raising money for it now. Like, man, like, just getting... I was in line for coffee and somebody bought my coffee because I'm fucking black. I feel some type of way about that. Like, I appreciate it, but at the same time, I was like, whoa, this is weird, man. Like, now I gotta buy something for somebody else. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not, I'm okay with that, but like, people are just doing shit for black people just because they feel awkward. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, it's a different feeling, you know? Like, we should just be cool with each other, be nice to each other all the time. We shouldn't like, Oh my God! There's a black man. Let me let me buy his dinner. Like that. Let me just, you know, that's. Yeah. I don't know. You're just like trying to wash the guilt off your shit, off your skin in front of me. Like <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, like it's I, a weird feeling, personally. Think about it though. Like how how many white people have have not sat in this uncomfortableness like before? You know. Oh, like, I can. You can um, feel it. You can see it. Like, <laughs> dude, I'm I'm an island of a person right now with the pandemic and work and like all yeah. this shit. But uh, <laughs> holy fuck, dude, that hits a different. What you just said to me. Um, and I, so it's it's good that people are feeling awkward. Uh, I think because, it's good to to rip that bandaid off. Absolutely, but I'm just saying for people that have been aware of this for so long, it's a little uncomfortable how abrasive they are being about it. You sure. know. Like I'm, I'm letting y'all do your thing because I think it's allowed. I think you should, you know. Yeah. Like, hey, I'll take a free coffee or whatever. But well, uh, people, <laughs> but it's been... weird. <laughs> I've known you a long time. People should have been buying you stuff a lot, like all the time. You know, you're such, you, you're like my motherfucker, dude. Don't no. just buy it because you see me and I got darker skin than you, like. <laughs> Buy it because you're like, dude, this kid can only afford Dickie shorts. <laughs> I graduated from the Dickies, all right? They're cool now, though, yeah. so you can do so that. So it's okay. Yeah. All right, dude, let's, let's seriously start talking about this book, dude. Yes, sir. Um, Between the World and Me. I, dude, uh, I thought it was really powerful that he, like, was writing it to his son. Yes. Um, And you kind of, like, it starts with that, and then you kind of just, like, get caught up in like his story, you know, to where it's like, um, you kind of at times forget that he's writing it to his son. Yeah. Until it's like a real powerful thing, you know, like where you're like, Oh, he literally addresses his son being like, listen, this is some shit you need to know in life for real, for real. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, I want to take the time to say, uh, his son's name is Samurai. That is badass. That, is so hard, but it's spelled S A M O R I. Yeah. So that's that's hard as fuck, dude. Um, so shout out to Coates, you know what's up. Um. So really, he's like it's. Uh, he grows up in Baltimore, and that's mm-hmm. what he's talking about at first. And um, he's not growing up in a in a good part. Yeah. You know? No, um, Baltimore's crazy. I lived outside of Baltimore for. Um, I lived in Silver Spring, Maryland, uh-huh. yeah. which is like 40 minutes from there. Yeah. And I went to Baltimore by myself because I didn't. There were hardcore shows going on. Trapped Under Ice was playing. I wanted yeah. to go. So right. I went. Anytime there was a show going on in Baltimore, I went by myself. My car got busted into. Police are terrible out there. They don't help with nothing. Just like they don't 
to today, but but they were like like walking down the street ignoring you when you're asking for help. They don't give you the time of day. They don't they don't entertain it and then bullshit you. You yeah. know what I mean? They yeah. just flat out ah uh, no, I got Stonewall. I got my jerk to dick off. Like <laughs> my dick to jerk off. <laughs> my jerk to my dick jerk off. to dick off. <laughs> I've been there, Dom. But yeah, anyways. Oh. It's it's crazy and, and it's not like growing up in Iowa. So that was also really cool to see and read his perspective and how I could relate to it so heavily. Even coming though, from even though it's like across the country. Yeah. Um and I'm the the whole first part is like kind of like talking about protecting your body. Yes. Um and like um that was something that really like I mean, one, that's not something I have to worry about ever. You know, so I was like, this is, that's pretty fucking heavy to read about, you know, like, yeah, because in the back of back of your mind, you like, you know, you like you have it on the news and shit and you're like, yeah, dude, people die. But like, um, it's one thing to see it on TV, but it's, I think it's another thing to read about it. It's, and it's another it's thing wild. to like, especially when it's like a first, uh, first person, like I'm dictating this to my son to help him grow. Yeah. You know, like. And it's, it's a lot, it's powerful, you know, and it like, it, it kind of makes you think about life in general, mm -hmm. like, and how like, yeah, the human body can like go through a lot of shit before it like dies, but also like, I mean, it's finite, you know, like, uh, you're a blimp here, you know, and, yeah. um, and so like, it's talking about protecting, protecting your body in that environment and like how he's learning, um, or how he learned because he's this is the past uh, how to survive in this uh, environment you know and like uh, something that I'm kind of just blabbering but like something that stuck out to me is that like how his how his dad would like whip him you know like when he was like messing up you know and it's yeah okay it's either you learn here or you learn the hard like where your body's actually in jeopardy you and know? from the perspective of his father it was him being like, I would rather put my hands on you than let them be in the police or yeah. whoever the, the the enforcer is, mm -hmm. have them put their hands on you and destroy your body. Right. I'm protecting your body even though mm -hmm. it's in a violent way. And like <laughs> And it, it like it speaks to the gravity of the situation too, because like I you know, like you work with parents who abuse their kids like in my yeah. job and like you see that and you're like I don't I genuinely don't think any parent wants to hurt their kid right. I think they don't know better you know and like to like sometimes they're scared like. yeah and and that I mean that's something that you don't think about in fucking Des Moines Iowa you're not like oh like maybe this is coming from a place of fear you're just mm -hmm. like oh shit they just don't know like they don't they don't have the skills or work but like dude this like it's making me, it, this book made me change my mind or like open my eyes to things about parenting and, yeah. and about, uh, like cultural perceptions of it. And like, because it all, you have that in your mind all the time, you know? Um, but it's like, well, this is how I feel about it, you know? But like, uh, man, you're right. Like if it's coming from a place of fear, like fuck that dude. Yeah. Um, that was heavy for me to like really like look inward at myself and my, my, my therapy practice and being like, shit, dude, 
Um, and I'm thinking of like one family in particular, you know, where I, I feel like I did the right thing, you know, but like, also I was like, shit, bro. Like maybe I didn't, you know, by thinking about, you know, thinking about it, you know, yeah. it's some heavy shit and it's, I'm, <laughs> after reading this, I'm definitely approaching things way different, you know? Um, so that's me owning my own shit there world. Uh, something, maybe some of you need to do. Yeah, What's up absolutely. But, I mean, he's also talking about gangs, you know, and, like, trying to navigate that and, um, like, how, like, he learned real quickly, like, someone's like, hey, little bro, let me see your bike, you know, to, like, either square up or get out of there, you yeah. know, and... You- yeah, be ready to defend yourself right. or book it on home. <laughs> and, and and what I think is like, fuck, dude. Like, and ultimate... I learned that same lesson with my skateboard. That's it's yeah. crazy because a lot of these lessons I learned, but there were different tools in play. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah. It was different, just a couple different main ingredients that were different, but it was the same lesson. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. Oh. But if I could sidestep to something he said at, Please. in the beginning, um. Really, it's like the second page that is actually the start of the book. Yeah. Um, He says, the question is not whether Lincoln truly meant government of the people, but what our country has throughout its history taken the political term people to actually mean. In 1863, it did not mean your mother or your grandmother, and it did not mean you and me. Thus, America's problem is not its portrayal of government of the people but the means by which the people acquired their names. And then later, just on the next page, a paragraph later, he says, but race is the child of racism, not the father. And the process of naming the people has never been a matter of genealogy or physiognomic, physi- I don't know how to say that, I apologize. Physiognomy? <laughs> Hold on, I'm trying to find it. So right here. Oh, yeah, that's a... It's a tough word. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, he said, so much as one of hierarchy. So, to say that again, but race is the child of racism, not the father. And the process of naming the people has never been a matter of genealogy so much as one of hierarchy. So, like, race is really coming from racism. Because it was if, created if, by man. And if it's an action that uh-huh. we just somebody just did. It was it was not something that we it's something made up, man. Like it's completely made up. Like somebody felt some type of way one day and capitalized on it for real. It, yeah. Well and it's I have the thought in my mind, but it's hard to get out there. Like like race wouldn't exist if there weren't biases right and i mean that's that's some pretty heavy shit to navigate there knowing knowing like what we know like that uh it's all a hierarchy and everything we've been taught mm -hmm. down to our applications to get a job a house a car a debit card a bank Mm -hmm. account you got to put your race on that shit yeah yeah and for people like me it says white black hispanic or other and i'm like which one should I? Which one should I hit? Should I be white today, or and fuck them up, or should I just be black, or should I hit both? You know what I mean? 
Yeah. They don't have a biracial. No. Not until what last year, in two, 2019, I think they had a biracial, and that you still don't see that in every no. application. No. And do does every other country do that? Uh, you know, I've never been to another country. <laughs> to be honest with you, like, you haven't. No. I've I've been I've been here, and I've been to Playerville. You know, Playerville. But that's, that's a state of mind. <laughs> I thought uh, Black Ice made it into Canada. Oh, uh, we had some, we had something ready to go, but then uh, Tom fucked it up. Oh, uh, that's God damn it, Tom! Of course I know did. you're listening. God damn it, Tom! Uh, <laughs> but yeah, but, I mean, uh, well, let's. I mean that that rings true, and it, like, dude, think, like all this shit, like uh, all this uh, shit, like all like because people on the African continent were expo- exposed to sun more, you know, so they developed. It's just uh, a, uh, a higher melanin. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, so they, de- they develop a fucking evolutionary way to cope with that. Yeah. And, and like, and then people up in Scandinavia were like, oh, it's fucking cold, you know? So, like, and there's not as much sun. So they, like, or maybe, I don't know how the world evolved. Like, maybe people moved up there and then it's like, oh, we if got lighter. If you believe lighter. in Pangea, then yeah. we were all on the same fucking mm-hmm. continent and shit happened and broke apart and that's what split us, you know? And then that's what people evolved into. Be- because they, they were in these different in, environments. You know? Further or closer to the sun. Uh-huh. Yeah, of course. And then, and, and then it just goes into, like, uh, like some countries became industrialized first or like they valued something different than other places and they have violence and then they use violence to exploit those other places dude and it's all based on evolutionary like dude fuck dude god's real fucked up for that but that's something that he also don't believe in the author yeah but we're talking about what i believe in i think god's fucked up fair enough (laughs) and that (laughs) but that comes into play later too because uh he, he, I don't, in what he's talking is like, you know, church, church is like, church is like a big thing in like Man. his experience of stuff. And, and a lot of black people and the black history in general, like the church, like in slavery, they were given a version of the Bible that had all the obey your master verses in it, mm-hmm. all the follow your leader verses in it. They exerted a bunch of shit. You know what I mean? And that's what they were taught. So there's just, it's a whole bunch of, I don't know what the word is, but it's like perfectly strategically placed propaganda. You know what I mean? Subliminal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that you, you read it yourself as black people begin to read. And this is the only thing they can read. The Bible that has been severely edited. Exactly. People that, Nat Turner, you know yeah. anything about Nat Turner? I bet you're about to tell me. Man, he was he was a preacher. Yeah. And he started to learn. He started mm-hmm. to figure it out. He revolted and he killed all his masters and surrounding masters. And then they got him. But, yeah. Nat that was Turner. one of the first first revolutionary motherfuckers, for real. <laughs> Sounds pretty revolutionary to me, man. It's crazy. But, yeah, man. So. Back to the book. So, he's. He's living in Baltimore, and he's, like, describing all this, like, gnarly stuff, you know, and what hits heavy, too, is that that's in the shadow of our capital. Yeah. You know, and, it's, I mean, it just, 
right next door. Yeah, like right down the road, man. And you're just not even an hour apart. Uh-huh. And and he starts talking about school too in this part. And uh, there were some things like where he was. It was like you you go to school to like get out, but you also are going there knowing that it's like like what they're shoveling you is not like real. Yeah. You know and. Uh, man, dude, it is like, basically, you're in an environment that he's describing is like you just can't fucking win, Mm-mm. and it's and that's that's exactly how I felt about school too. That's what I'm saying. Like he had he went to a predominantly black school too, and that's what I always wanted. But even not going to that, I still felt like there was a cap. Like you can only do so much within this institution. Yeah. You could, they they're only gonna show you so much. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and we're just giving our money up to it too. Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> I can't go broke when I can learn more for free on my own time for real. Right, like, yeah. <laughs> um, and this, uh, like, you know, like, uh, the line, like, they were concerned with compliance. You know, and I mean that's true about school today. Like, school isn't about there. There are times when school's about learning, you know, and socialization and stuff and, like, finding your place in the world. But, like, a lot of it is just teaching you to be a cog in the wheel, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, in this area, I can't... I don't don't even understand, dude. Uh, uh, So, in this paragraph, it's it's... I sense schools were hiding something drugging us with false morality so that we would not see, so that we did not ask why for us and only for us is the other side of free will and free spirits and assault upon our bodies. Uh, I have the same thing underlined in my book, too. Yeah. He goes on, When our elders presented school to us, they did not present it as a place of high learning, but as a means of escape from death and penal warehousing. Meaning, when you black... When when you're done with school, it's either <laughs> go to jail <laughs> or you go to school. Like, well, and that's that's the next scholarships. That's on the next page. There, uh, it says uh, fully sixty percent of all young black men who drop out of high school will go to jail. Yep. Uh, this disgrace the country. Yeah. <laughs> and that that was my dad. Mm-hmm. I found out I had an older brother when I was four, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. and the only reason I found out is because he was going to prison. Really. Yeah, I met him when I was 17. I went and met him in prison. Is that the brother that lives in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. And you... that was another thing. I went when I was touring with a hardcore band. I got dropped off to my brother. And coming back from that, uh-huh. they couldn't understand what what I was going through at all. Dude, I actually remember you texting me that day. I was uh... shook. I was really... I was silent for two weeks, for real. Yeah, like, I was quiet because uh, it was heavy. My brother had just got out of prison after 11 years. And that was the first time you met him? It was the second time. Mm-hmm. Second time I met him was when he got out of prison. He'd been out for a month, maybe. And as soon as I walked in the door, he came running down the stairs like we know each other our whole life. Uh-huh. I was confused as hell. Like, people, I've been dying to get their attention for how many years traveling, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And then I get that attention immediately from somebody that I don't really know but was told was my brother. And I that's when I was like, 
yeah, I'm gonna have to switch up. I'm gonna have to go a different direction for real, because this is where the love is. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not sure if I blame you, man. Like, yeah. Uh, but yeah. to not be understood like that because it was a black thing, like because mm-hmm. it was my family was black and they just they just didn't want to learn. They didn't want to hang out. They were invited. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's crazy, bro. Like you gotta distance yourself from people like that. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, man. I fuck. I remember you texting me that. Yeah. I, like, distinctly remember that. Mm-hmm. Insane. And then, well, you you went and hung out with him more after that, too. Oh, yeah. We became yeah. tight. That's I'm, what's up. I moved him up here for a little bit, too. Yeah. And then, he's, I mean. Shit, did I meet him? You, I'm I sure did. you did. I did. I remember. 11 it, years in prison will, it'll fuck you up, man. You're going to have issues with adapting to, especially when you're, he was born and raised in Columbus, Georgia, Jacksonville, Florida. Like those are heavily um, set southern and yeah, yeah. That's a whole nother topic. I could get into <laughs> the industrial prison complex and him doing time and the stories he's told me. That's a whole nother podcast, bro. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Man. I mean, that's a, that's a whole nother social fucking problem. You know, that's, but it, it ties directly into and that's what race. got me wise on this stuff though was. Me having my eyes opened at 17. And even before then, like, I lost my uncle to a drive-by, my godfather, before I was three years old. So I was aware that life was like that and our bodies were really in danger, like he describes in his book. And he says, you got to protect your bodies like that. Mm -hmm. And that's why his father was beating him like that. Because it's either you get pain here or you die. Or you're going to get killed, for real. Right. Like... (laughs) The, the gravity of that being like it needs to be extreme because the consequences are extreme yeah, yeah. and it could it could be the police or it could be by somebody who looks like me for real and yeah. for that to follow from Trenton New Jersey from the projects in Trenton New Jersey to apartment complexes on the east side of Des Moines to trailer house on the fucking other east side of Des Moines the other side of town to the fucking country like all these problems, they fall. It doesn't matter where you're at. It really doesn't. This mm-hmm. shit's everywhere. Cause the whole, this is what we've been built on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is like he said, we weren't involved, included in the people. That's not. It wasn't written for us. Yeah, and that, I mean that's a, that's something that a lot of people seem to admit too is yeah. o- omit, not admit, omit like. We the people meant land owning white men, you know, and uh, fuck, dude. Land and, owning and people owning white men. <laughs> shit, dude. They owned other human bodies. That's an insane concept. When you say it like that, they owned other human bodies. Not just they they had slaves or they they had black people working for them. They had ownership. Paperwork proven they had the rights to other humans' bodies, and they could do whatever the fuck they wanted with and, it. And they talk about that too, or Coates talks about that. Like there's there's a passage later in here, and it's like just kind of in passing about it, you know, like like, and it made me think of like 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 Kanye West or right like when he said like slavery was a choice, you know? Yeah. Uh, but Coates is like in there like. Dude, people people don't like aren't just oh I guess this is just how it is you know uh, yeah there was 
there was very specific fear, you know. Yeah, of, absolutely. Of being of and there losing was, your body. Yeah, you know, like, and there was even a hierarchy to that fear too, because some people would like. There's the difference between the field nigga and the house nigga. You know what I mean? Like the the slave that's in the field. Um, I think is that that might be what he gets into is like somebody that was more defiant, you know. And then the yes man's inside being comfortable and just saying yes to everything. And just because it's out of fear that he doesn't want to lose his life, he's going to throw his brethren under. And he's going to start beating on his brethren with his oppressor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like you said earlier. It's all out all, of fear. And it's all, it was all calculated. Very. Like, uh, people knew what they were doing. It wasn't just like, oh, we're ignorant of this. You know, like people understood that the that people were people. You know, and what they were doing was kind of like fucked up. I think. Yeah. You know, um, back to back to the story, right? Um, so page twenty nine. You know, like it's fear ruled everything around me, and all I knew, as all black people do, that this fear was connected to the dream out there, uh, to the unworried boys, to pie and pot roast, to the white fences, green lawns, nightly beamed into our television sets. So I kind of wanted to talk like. Because he mentions the dream quite a bit in this yes. story, and it's he capitalizes it, you know, and uh, the dreamers, I'm, yeah, the dream, dream who are like yeah. wanting something better, or, or not something better, but like that is the, the like the ignorance is bliss. Yes, population, mm -hmm. they're stuck. Like, like if we if we work hard enough, we can attain the beaver cleaver shit, you yep. know. Um, and I mean. Whether or not I put anybody down in, <laughs> on my way there. <laughs> and so it that's mentioned quite a bit. And it's like a reoccurring thing that he talks about. And um, it's, I think in the book, he like has like an understanding of why people are like, why they're dreamers, you know. But it's also like he's kind of critical of it, you know. Like, because um, if you're dreaming, you're not really awake, right? Mm -hmm. um, so you're not like seeing the forest for the trees so to say yeah and yeah. um this to tie the the good intention thing into what you're saying now just a few pages ahead he says good intention is a hall pass through history a sleeping pill that ensures the dream it's far dude. yeah let that sink in like, <laughs> no, no, I, dude, like for all the listeners <laughs> could you repeat that please it says good intention is a hall pass through history a sleeping pill that ensures the dream. That's that's heavy for real. Uh, yeah, dude. Um, and then just a page before. I mean, I'll let you finish before I get into that because no, that can no, jump into no, another I'm, part of the book. My my brain hit a roadblock, dude. Okay, uh, so just the page before he said that, he says on um, talking about being in school and civil rights movements and stuff like that. He says, why are they showing this to us? Why were only our heroes nonviolent? I speak not on the morality of nonviolence, but of the sense that blacks are in special need of this morality. Mm -hmm. Like, why are we told not to be violent when everybody else's story is gloriously, gloriously violent? Yeah, like... With uh, the most high reward. Right. Like, you think about... uh. Well, I mean, they ain't really, like, teaching about it in school, but, like, the French Revolution, 
like how many heads were fucking popped off of shoulders, you know? Man, like they talk the Boston Tea Party. Any any revolution. People die. The only revolution that you don't hear about is the black revolution. The we even hear about America slaughtering all the fucking Mexicans. <laughs> like that's fucked up. Yeah. We only hear the bad shit about them and us. Mm-hmm. And man, I don't know. I, that's something that I was like, he's right. But that's something I've always known, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, damn, why, why, why do they keep right? Why do they keep doing it? That's an answer that I still ask, that I've always asked. Mm-hmm. Like, well, so that's actually, Dom. This is kind of like, like on this path. I would like to share this story, yeah, real quick. Um. Well, one, uh, you've you've seen. I'm sure you've seen, you know, and I'm sure you've thought this and talked about it before. But like now, it's it's cool that this is the narrative where it's like, you know, quit saying, like on Instagram stories and whatnot. Like, quit saying to like like be like, uh, you need to handle this like MLK did. You know, like because you killed him too. You know, and that's like that sticks out. You know, like. Because everyone, what would Martin Luther King Jr. say, you know, about these rights? Well, I mean, his ass was arrested 30-some times. You yeah. Know? Like, uh, he he wasn't a peaceful dude. He was a nonviolent dude. Yeah. Um, Towards the end of his life, he was really, him and Malcolm started talking. You know what I mean? Right. They started and, being like, well, shit, my shit's not working, and neither is mine, so <laughs> we might want to. <laughs> and, and so that's, that was the where the next part of my conversation was going, and like, Really, my intellectual awakening, I would say, would would be in ninth grade when I read Malcolm X's biography. That's incredible which, that you read it at, in ninth grade. Dude, I was a fucking weird... Like, like it was not even an option on the reading list, but I just saw it and was like, yeah. I'm going to go for it, you know? Long-ass book. Um, insane. Yeah, in, his story um, is crazy. His story is crazy, and I mean... I, I, it's not my place to say anything about that, but I wish more, I wish his story was told more yeah. in, in schools and stuff because it needs to be, I would say I would 100% It doesn't agree. need to be two paragraphs in the textbook. No, it no. needs to be a whole damn like, chapter for real. <laughs> a whole fucking book, dude. Please. It, because, <laughs> because it, like they, they pitch him as. We have Martin Luther the King Jr. Guy. And then on the, on the opposite end of the coin, we had Malcolm X advocating for this, you know. Um, but they don't go into how smart he was and how self-taught he was. He's, if, if you haven't read the book, or at least watched the fucking movie, you know. Like, at the very least. At the very, like Malcolm X, you know. Uh, and uh, I, th- I think if you haven't done any digging into that, audience cake there's a good um, netflix documentary um who killed malcolm x oh yeah. it was really fucking good too that's a, another high recommendation fbi dude um but yeah like uh I, w- I wish there was more about him and uh coats he's st- he starts idolizing him a little yeah, bit in this book and he did and um, <clears throat> i think just like any other angry black man that picked up anything that Malcolm X read, yeah, made sense. It made sense. I went through my phase of, I thought all white people were the devil for a second, you know? 
I, dude, <laughs> dude, no, like, as, I as really you said that. I really thought that for a while, like, and I didn't, I really questioned it because my mom, you know, I'm like, how, mm. my mom is a saint. Your mom is but a like, saint, yeah. Even her family, you know what I mean? Mm. Even people in her family, her, like, I'm not going to go out and say, but <laughs> even people that are close that yeah. should just automatically love me just because I'm in the family for real, I'm blood. Mm-hmm. But they don't. I, they don't. I don't know why. Tell me why I got less gifts this year than my blood brother. You know what I mean? Like, actually, because you're 30. No. Oh. Back in the day, because <laughs> I was, I was when kidding. we're kids, yeah. you know what I mean? That is fucked. And, uh... Like, the only explanation that you can come up with is your skin. But it still doesn't make sense. Why would that make sense to a child? Why would that make... That doesn't make sense to a grown adult. You know, like, mm-hmm. uh, unless you understand the, the social atmosphere of things, you know, like. But that fear, man, it's just, it's crazy. People telling you to turn your skin inside out, that's ignorance, bro. You turn your skin inside out and do the same motherfucker as me still. We get, we're humans. We got the same insides, bro. Don't tell me to turn my skin inside out because I got a different color of skin. Because that doesn't make no sense. <laughs> Real quick, dude. Just address it. Yeah, we're recording again. Hey, there, there might be a little hard transition here because we took a little break. Um, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, Diehards. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's... Don, let's, let's move the story along here yeah. with Coates. Uh, so, he did, he did pretty well in school, you know, uh, even though he was like, I don't... This is almost like useless, right? Um, but he he then goes to Howard University, um, and there he kind of went like I mean he he refers to Howard University as the mecca, yeah. You know, like so I mean that kind of like is oh this is this is what's important to him, you know, like uh, it, this was his religious experience because he's not religious, his uh, academic endeavors and his studying that's where he like found himself, right? Um, there he, he was, like, his intellectual awakening, he's, he really starts diving into, like, black writers and black culture there. Um, Absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's also, like, a safer environment than where he was, you know? This is a, um, it's a predominantly black school, like yeah. that too. Yeah. So, it's like, that's why he calls it Mecca. <laughs> What, oh man, let me uh, continue. I'm gonna find this. Yeah. Or something. I'm not um. So I mean, this. <coughs> excuse me. He um. So he's at school and he's he's kind of thriving there, dude. Um. He's meeting, like all these new people. Um. He's meeting a lot of people that are, uh, like kind of shaping his, his future, right? Like he he meets his future wife there. The yeah, mom, mom of his kid that he's writing to. Um, who's he meet? Who's important there for him? He he meets these girls. He meets he meets his friend Prince that we'll talk about later. But yeah, he's he's going for journalism, right? Yeah, and, I yeah, think so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's where he's at. He's at Howard University. Um, I have it underlined somewhere, but it was just like. 
I don't, I don't remember the word he used, but the but it's the word that stuck out to me. The words that he used uh-huh. to describe how he fit in with those people naturally. You know what I mean? Yeah. What page are you on? Um. Well, I think I think the big part for me with this, where he was talking, was about uh. Because he was like when he was uh. In Baltimore, you know, it's about his survival and him, him making it, you know. Um, to the, to the next day and to the next chapter. Right. Um, but here he kind of like starts when he's at Howard, he starts kind of delving into like other people's experiences too. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I would say this is probably a big part in his growth as well. Like where he's thinking about like the women he's dating and their experiences like growing up, like, like the one specifically in Chicago, you know, like, um, uh, uh, so like dot 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 that the bodies of women are set out for pillage in ways I could never truly know and she was the kind of black girl who'd been told that as a child that she had better be smart because her looks wouldn't save her and then told as a young woman that she was really pretty for a dark skinned girl and so there was all about her, a knowledge of cosmic injustices, the same knowledge I'd glimpsed all those years ago watching my father reach for his belt, watching the suburban dispatches in my living room, uh, watching the golden-haired boys with their new toy trucks and football cards, and dimly perceiving the great barrier between the world and me. So, yeah. I mean, that's, what, that's where the quote comes from, or the title, but um, it's also like, like, I mean, this is a part of intellectual growth is like... Uh, applying your experiences to those of others and being accepting of others experiences too. And like formulating that into your worldview, you know, like, um, being around like like like-minded people, you know, like this, that's what, that's why, what you mentioned earlier, why hardcore like, uh, feels a certain way because you're in a room with people who you predominant, like everyone's goal oriented towards the same thing. And that's enjoying the band. Right. Right. Um, that's why that's called, it's called like cultural effervescence or whatever. It's, it's why people, uh, love religion. It's because everyone like is, Oh, er, Jesus, I believe in Jesus. And there's a room of people that believe in Jesus and they all think that they're going to be saved. Right. Uh, that's not knocking it. You may, you say, I don't know. But so he's, he's at a school where all these people have a shared lived experience with him. You know, even though everyone's as individual, it's like a shared narrative. Right. And, um, so that, that, I mean, that's why I think he calls it the Mecca is because it it was like this effervescence, this feeling of like what you said earlier, like this acceptance, this greater acceptance, um, because it's, he, that's where he was thriving and he had never like, you know, there's people of like-mindedness with him, you know, I think. Absolutely, kind of, kind of weird tangent to get on. I guess I don't know. No, that was uh, I have a lot underlined that follows what you were saying. Um, it's, it's a big it's like, book, huh? It, it is a big book. There's a lot of heavy stuff to put in, but um, he said there are people whom we do not fully know, and yet they live in a warm place within us, and when they are plundered, when they lose their bodies. And the dark energy disperses, that place becomes a wound. That that goes into some shit that we'll do later. Yeah. I think I read the wrong part. 
I mean, no, <laughs> but, um, because it does it does like hit on there. I think we could we could probably jump. We'll 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 skip. I'll jump right after um the because the thing you said about the woman. Yeah. Um. Okay, slavery is the same woman born in a world that loudly proclaims its love of freedom, and inscribes this love in its essential text. A world in which the same professors hold this woman a slave, hold her mother a slave, her father a slave, her daughter a slave, and when this woman peers back into the generations, all she sees is the enslaved. Later, a couple um, sentences later, it says, For this woman, enslavement is not a parable, it is damnation. But he said, um, Never forget... I'm going to just quote a, a couple yeah, things yeah. that are on the both pages right next to each other. Skip a couple things that I think is filler. He said, Never forget that we were enslaved in this country longer than we have been free. Never forget that for 250 years, black people were born into chains. Whole generations followed by the more generations who knew nothing but chains. You must struggle to truly remember this past and all its nuance, error, and humanity. You must resist the common urge toward the comforting narrative of divine law, toward fairy tales that imply some irrepressible justice. They were people turned to fuel for the American machine. That was that hit me hard. And then he again goes to say, So you must wake up every morning knowing that no promise is unbreakable, least of all the promise of waking up at all. This is not despair. These are the preferences of the universe itself. Verbs over nouns. Actions over states. Struggle over hope. And then he says, a couple sentences later, I am not a cynic. I love you, talking to his boy. And I love the world, and I love it more with every new inch I discover. But you are a black boy, and you must be responsible for your body in a way other boys cannot know. And then again, a couple sentences later, he says, And this is not reducible to just you. The women around you must be responsible for their bodies in a way that you will never know. You have to make your peace with that chaos. But you cannot lie. You cannot forget how much they took from us and how they transfigured our very bodies into sugar, tobacco, cotton, and gold. So on top of all of that, to be a woman is something that us, not only as men... But as a black man, still can't understand. So imagine the things that I've told you in my experience mm -hmm. as a black man, and imagine if I was a woman. I mean, that's that's an another added layer that I can't touch. Yeah, and that, that I can't. That I can't, I can't fathom, go further into it. Know? But that was a very powerful. I have it underlined and highlighted in my yeah. book. You know what and, I mean? And like, I mean. I'm sure you read that and just immediately thought of your girl. Absolutely. You know, like in... I thought, I have a fiance. She's. Yeah. Oh, shit. She's Are you too. serious, dude? Yeah. Man. Congratulations. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank man. You, Holy thank shit, you. dude. Oh, you're you're fucking. On the podcast. You all heard it here first. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. Yeah, man. I'm I'm about to get married to Cheers. a beautiful black queen. And that is that is crazy because we, we connected on that, you know? Mm -hmm. But, man, I can't. And as we grow closer and our relationship grows stronger, she opens up more to me. And I'm still like, damn, I thought, I thought the shit that I went through was crazy too. But like, I can't imagine just having something 
in between my legs that everybody wants. You know what I mean? On top of that problem. Like, that's fucking scary, dude. If you yes. think I got fear already, I, I would... I'm glad I'm a man. Like, no offense, I have more power to the women, for real, because they need it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I got your backs. <laughs> you ever got a problem? <laughs> and you ain't crying wolf. <laughs> I'll it's, come. <laughs> it's, I mean... That's scary, it's, man. It's just another added layer to things, like I said, and... Uh, like, I mean, we, we already had to pause it because I'm, like, you know, like, damn Dom, you know, like, I like I said earlier, I only, I only know the, like, the iceberg. I know the 10%, you know, and yeah. finding new stuff out, and uh, I'm, I'm ready to be uncomfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's why I invited you here. Yeah. I'm ready to be uncomfortable. I've been uncomfortable since, since I started my social work journey. Um, yeah, it's a very and, uncomfortable field. And uh, like, like in in knowing, like, opening up my eyes to my privilege and my place in the world, uh, and how you know, like, you know, like, up until twenty five, I was a dang dude. I got dealt a shit hand, bro. You know, like, and then, um, so I, I'm, I'm ready to be uncomfortable. Um, but that that's another. That's another level which, admittedly, I haven't dived too deep into is like uh, the women yeah. and like their place in the like in as someone who loves women, you know, and like the, my primary influences are women. My mom, yeah. you know, uh, I was man, yeah, absolutely. Dude. I was raised by my mom, and then all my black influences as a child were was her best friend who was my godmother, and then her family accepted me as their real family, even mm -hmm. though we weren't blood. But that was, to me, that, I almost, I went through a stage where I thought that was my mom because she was black. You know what I mean? Yeah. My godmother. Well, no, I, really, I, don't, I don't. I really I don't thought, I was like, did my mom lie to me? <laughs> like, because I don't look like her. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's my, my skin darker. <laughs> I got a picture of my, my godmother, and she looked a little more like I do, so... Especially in the summertime, I question myself a lot. <laughs> well, my mom does listen to this. Makes people so. problems. <laughs> <laughs> my mom listens to this. I'm every episode, so I'm going to take this time to say, "Mom, thanks for listening. I love you." Um, I appreciate you for creating such a good son. I do too. Aww. Hey, dude, uh, self-made. What's up? Hey. Hey. Um. <laughs> so that's an women. You know, another layer. But I mean, that's. That's adding to his growth as a person, you know? Yeah. And uh, as a person, as an intellectual and a writer and things like that, um, Howard, the, Howard University, like, really shaped him. Yeah. And, like, set the stage for his future development and things. Uh, but he doesn't, he doesn't even graduate. No. No. Because he, again, oh, man, I hope I flip right out to it. He said, I rejected all forms of magic. And he said, religion, um, institutions, uh -huh. and I, I, I'm not quoting it word for word, but he goes on a, a small list of pretty much all the institutions. Yeah. <laughs> Any form of institution or being institutionalized because it's, a, it's putting a cap on your growth for real. It's saying, hey, you can join this, but only if you do this, that, the third, and <laughs> right. then you can't do more than this. Yeah. I'm Otherwise, gonna, you're on your own. 
So you might as well just be on your own, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he did pretty well for himself. Uh, yeah, he's, he's writing Black Panther comics. Oh, know, man, like, <laughs> yeah. He's doing great. <laughs> um, But yeah, so we go to Howard. Or not we, but he goes to Howard. And he talks about his experience there. And um, I think a big part of it was like his personal growth, like relating to the women is the women that he uh, associated with and who he dated, you know, um, like he, he paints them and I'm sure he minimized it, you know, cause you can never describe the right. full complexity of a person, you know, like in words, but, uh, in the book, there are these powerful, um, you know, big thinking women that I, I think are probably like, he had this worldview, and they're just expanding it, you know. Um, Man, he, the way he talks about it is just beautiful. He, like, the the girl with the dreadlocks. He says, "I I think like, he said I stood with a blunt in one hand and a beer in another. I inhaled, passed it off to the Chicago girl, and when I brushed her long, elegant fingers, I shuddered a bit from the blast. She brought the blunt to her plum painted lips, pulled, exhaled, then pulled the smoke back in." A week earlier, I had kissed her, and now, watching this display of smoke and flame, and already feeling the effects, I was lost and running, and wondering what it must be to embrace her, to be exhaled by her, to return to her, and leave her high. But I was like, damn, that's what I felt like when I was, <laughs> like, when I met my girl. Like, that's what's up. That is, but, I mean, yeah, it's that intoxicating energy you mm -hmm. know and you can only get that from a female i feel like like i'm sure you can get it on another level but like that intoxication is i don't know it's powerful and i feel like it's only you only get that power from going through some some pretty powerful things you know yes. and overcoming powerful things and then having this having this shared experience yeah absolutely um, Allowing and, that person into your space like that too. Yeah, um, like like you kind of talked about with you and your lady, um, like opening up and like being vulnerable with each other and like yeah, like yeah. Because uh -huh. just because we're we're one doesn't mean we still we stare every aspect of each other. You know, yeah. we still have a lot to open up to each other about. That's part of a life journey with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, dude. Dude, congratulations, man. Thanks. That's real cool. Well, he... Okay, so he's at Howard, and then he... He meets he meets his wife, right? And, yeah. And, I mean... What the next part... They, he goes to France, right? In the book? Like, the next... Chronologically, like, what he's pointing out for his um, kid? The next, I believe, is his... um. Oh, it went. It went Prince first. His 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 uh, a mutual friend of him. Yeah. And the girl. Well, yeah. Let's let's start diving into it. So, yeah. um, Prince was handsome, charismatic. Uh, I mean, like the son of a doctor. Um, and he was he was going to Howard because he wanted to be around that and not like Princeton, right? And he, he ends up getting, well, 100% this was like murder by the police. Like, there's no way that anything fishy or anything was going, like, uh, the cop said that he was, 
trying to run him over with his Jeep or something. And then the cop just blasts him and uh, says says that. And uh, the cop was like a proven liar. And, you know, they go, they go into that in the book. And But uh, Coase is trying to navigate that um, in there. It's about right there. Seven, about eight. 78. Page 78, for yeah. those following along. No one's doing that. <laughs> um, uh, what, what paragraph did you just point to me? Because I have stuff here, too. I have both of those paragraphs yeah, that's underlined crazy. as well. But I oh. started on the last one. Okay. It says, I know that I have always felt great distance from grieving the rituals of my people. And I must have felt it powerfully then. They need to forgive the officer. He said, the need to forgive the officer would not have moved me. Because even then, in some... In, I don't know that word. <laughs> yeah. In, in short form, I knew that Prince was not killed by a single officer so much as he was murdered by his country. And all the fears that have marked it from birth. And I'm sorry if that was choppy, but that's... I'm gonna. I'm gonna just say that's pretty much how I feel. That's yeah. that's not at all far off from my personal emotions with the state of the country right now. Like it's, like, it's not like George Floyd. That, yeah. that one police officer did not kill George Floyd. He did physically, but it wasn't just him. It's, that's it's, it's the, the whole problem. The that's why people that allows are, it. That's why people are rioting. That's why mm -hmm. people are throwing shit and burning shit down. Not just because of George Floyd now. Now you got this other dude in fucking Georgia killed at Wendy's, bro. Yeah. Like, he was fighting for his life. I, I saw the video when I was working out. I started crying. Mm -hmm. I'm glad I was working out sweating so nobody could tell. Because I really started crying. I was like, I thought about all my family members down in Georgia. All of them. I was like, that could have been any of them. You know how many uncles I got that might be sleeping in their car because they were too drunk to drive and they've been pulled over too many times. They're scared to get fucking pulled over by the police on the way home and go to jail and not be able to go home to their son for a week or two or a month because they can't make the bail. Like, come on, man. Like That shit. And what they do, they burned it down. And I'm not even mad. Fuck them. <laughs> Fuck the Wendy's. They didn't do nothing, but yeah, I mean, what else are we supposed to do? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, it's, uh, uh, like, I'm not condoning it, but I understand why. Dude, I'll fucking condone it. I'll, like, be, I'm fine with that. Like, uh, when, I think, when, when you boil down behavior like that. Uh, I think it should be directed in a, a more effective place. I'm, the Wendy's didn't personally do anything. I don't give a fuck about Wendy's. But I'm just saying, like, food. yeah, it's terrible food. But I'm just saying, like. What did Minneapolis do? They went to the precinct that the motherfucker worked for, and they burnt it down. I mean, that was fucking beast mode. Yeah, that like was one hundred percent. That is that makes the most sense if you're gonna burn something down. You know what I mean? Why not burn down the problem, the root of the problem? Right. <laughs> I but I'm okay. Why Why burn down the Wendy's? <laughs> We're getting well, off topic of the book, but well, that's okay. Uh, this is literally my podcast, so I, yeah. I decide. <laughs> but that's, I mean, there was, that's what they start getting into is how to deal with that shit. Like, I when you boil down behavior, you know, like, uh, I've seen some stuff that said like a, a white woman 
started the fire in the Wendy's. Yeah, you know? I seen the video, and it um, was. Yeah, I tr I try not to watch that stuff because it's like trauma porn and. No, um, I was like I said, I was yeah. I was on the bike in the gym, just getting. It. I had my own thing going on, headphones in and everything, but their TVs are still yeah, on in front of me. Right, yeah. And I look up, I can't look away. The subtitles on, I can't stop reading it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I I'm watching you. this man run for his life, and he he fought the police officer and grabbed the taser. And I'm sitting there like, I probably would have done the exact same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. If, if they were wrestling me on the ground, I probably would have done the exact same thing. Like, or try and try to defend yeah. your body. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, like what I'm Coach protecting saying, my yeah. body. And well, I'll just say, I think I don't like. I don't care about the Wendy's. Fuck Wendy's. They have a lot yeah, of money. I Wendy's. don't give a shit. They can rebuild um, it. <clears throat> and I think, I think. A lot of times, like in in these scenarios, like the like, what happens like during like when people like uh, I'm quoting riots, you know, um, they're, oh they're just doing they're just burning their own community or whatever. Well, what what the fuck else do you want them? To, what what else do you want people to do? Like when when they've had X Y Z all these hurdles, all these barriers, and all this fucked up shit. Just happening. imagine what's gonna like, happen if this shit don't work. Just imagine. It's not going to be fucking cool. Because it's going to go from shit burning down to fucking bombs going off. And fucking well, because, guns really being fired in both directions. You because know what I mean? Because if, if, one, you you don't listen, you know, okay, you're not listening to us. Well, maybe we'll set a fire. Maybe you'll listen then. You know, like, I'm, I'm a, you know, the a riot is the language of the oppressed, you know, like, absolutely, I'm 100% with that. It's just like in my work with kids, you know, like, when the, the like, rage is, the <laughs> if, if, if a kid's like breaking shit, it's not because they want to break shit. It's because they're trying to communicate an unmet need. Yeah. And absolutely. That's, that's what's happening. It's, I learned that the fucking hard way. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is 100% correct. I learned that lesson in that field. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm all, dude, fucking burn down every Wendy's. I don't care. You know, like, I'm on Yeah, there. I don't care but about the Wendy's. I I'm think, just like. I think the, like what you were saying, that they went to the, like, dude, that, that's something that's going to be in history books. You I know? was, like, honestly proud. That was, yeah. like, when I read about Nat Turner for the first time, and I was like, damn, that's kind of sick. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, he was literally just getting beat all the fucking time, and eventually he said, fuck, no. He found out he was being lied to and held to his level that he was at. They wouldn't let him go any further. So he said, fuck that. He tried to take the shit back. <laughs> it didn't work out for him, but he gave he gave hope. For yeah. real. It, imagine if Nat Turner never did that. Imagine if Harriet Tubman never, never helped. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I don't. Because this is like... You can't imagine history without, right? Like, uh, I'm thankful for We're them. fucked enough as it is. Imagine <laughs> if they didn't do their part. That'd be gnarly, dude. And they didn't, they didn't listen then? <laughs> well, they still, they, most, I mean, the conversation is getting heard, you know? Yeah. But I, Dom, I honestly, and Cake, sorry, you're here. Oh, that's uh, fine. Um, I'm just but, learning. Dude, I think, dude, I'm of the mind and the opinion that things need to change, but I don't think... A lot of stuff's gonna change until a lot of these motherfuckers die off, that are up in, that are up on Capitol Hills, yeah, that are, definitely. that are, uh, you know, making these policies. I, th uh, 
because we, we talk about systemic change and shit. Mm-hmm. They're part of the system. They've they've made the system. We need them to die. Man, yeah. think about you know, NASA. What what specifically dude, about NASA? Well, I mean, the dude who ran NASA and who the American government hired to run NASA was a fucking Nazi for real. Hanging. Oh, that shit. Yeah, the um, know. Operation Paperclip shit. Yeah, Paperclip. Yeah. I didn't know that. Dude, this whole country is just a fucking bunch of people in white sheets for real. Well, I like I've like learned that over the years, but I didn't know that about NASA. It's that deep. Yeah. Like just oh fucking space travel. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, take uh, like uh, at the end of World War II, um, America, the United States brought over like tons of Nazi scientists, and, integrated like, them into American business and culture and innovation, for real. Fuck. <laughs> so. What is that saying? If you can't beat them, join them? That's America. (laughs) We did beat the Nazis. We beat them. But they joined us. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. They couldn't beat us, they joined us. (laughs) But they still Nazis. They didn't change that. That's true. They just joined America. The Nazis just joined in on America. Yeah, and, uh, dude, there's a lot of fucked up shit. Like, uh, the, the whole... <laughs> I know there's a lot, lot of fucked, fucked up dude. shit, but, God, it is, like, stuff I just, like, haven't learned about. I've like, the whole... the wasted whole, my time learning about things that aren't as important. Like, the whole premise of, like, uh, Nazi thought, like, eugenics, you know? Like, where we're gonna breed the perfect Aryan or whatever, you know? Like, that got traction and foothold in United States first, you know? Like that type of scientific that was quotes when I scientific thought came from the United States and then it got integrated into Nazi Germany and they were like, Oh well let's try this shit out, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of fucked up shit in the world cake. I know. I know uh, there is. I just don't know all of it. Like, I mean But I'm trying to learn. Start with Pillsbury Doughboy. Work your way up, dude. <laughs> Pillsbury Doughboy, what's he on on? Dude, he it's he's he's a person made out of dough, dude. Like in the, he's yeah. marketing for a, a cupcake company. Like, dude, start uh, there and just everything <laughs> gets fucked up after that, dude. <laughs> well, let's move move on to the next paragraph because I didn't. I I circled a big one here. Um, okay. And so back back to cop shit. Uh, it's down yep. here. The truth it the truth is that. The police reflect America in all of its will and fear. And whatever we might make of this country's criminal justice policy, it cannot be said that it was imposed by a repressive minority. The abuses that have followed from these policies, the sprawling curse... There's a lot of big words in this book. There are. I had to whip out my dictionary, for real. The random detention of black people, the torture of suspects, are all product of democratic will. And so to challenge the policy is to challenge the American people. To challenge them, the police is to challenge the American people. Oh yeah, sorry, sorry. Who send them into the ghettos armed with uh, the same self-generated fears that compelled the people who think they are white to flee cities into the dream. Um, I do, I echo that sentiment, but I also want to kind of like expand my own thoughts on that. In that, uh, like, one of the biggest arguments that I have against uh, cops and shit is, like, um, well, cake. Uh, What's up? 
do you feel like you, you personally, when you go to the polls in like the, like when we did that, when we lived at Gray Street, yeah. you know, like when we went and voted. Yeah, Angelo and I just went and voted Good. last week. When we went there, did you feel like, okay, I'm making, I'm voting. So I feel like my voice is 100% going to be heard. I didn't feel like my voice was 100% going to be heard wholeheartedly, uh-huh. you know, because never felt that way about I, voting. And I think, I think that's the sentiment of most of the United States population is like, yeah, this is my civic duty, but like, it kind of is what it is after that, you know, like my voice can't be heard. That's been, that's being taken back now. And I like that, you know, that, like, yeah. but prior, it's, I mean, I vote because I, for the chance that it will get heard. Uh-huh. You know, not because, like, I, not because even, I feel socially obligated yeah, to. Even the sen- even the fact that you said in the ch- in the hope that I get hurt. Yeah. You know, so I would I would like to like be like I don't think cops and policing and stuff is reflective of the overall uh like average citizen's thoughts on the world. You know, I think it is um, a select few who hold power. Um, in that echo, like want things to remain the same, you know? So I think, uh, policing is really like, uh, you're enforcing the rules of these rich and powerful elite people, you know, the dreamers. Yeah, the dreamers that have achieved the dream and then that make the dream unattainable for others. Right. right? And they do that one way through the laws that they pass, you know? Absolutely. Um, so I don't, I don't. I find issue with him saying uh, that me, Dom, and Cake have, through exercising our our voting rights and stuff, have dictated these policies that keep people down. Um, I think I think it is appropriate and right to vote, um, but that's not where the train stops, you know. Definitely. So um, I just wanted to get that out there into the world. Um, but it is policing is an echo of the. The laws that are passed, right? Yeah, by, the, by the police yeah. are enforcing just laws that are handed down to them to enforce. They're the police aren't making the laws; they're just there to uphold the law. Mm-hmm. The first police were just told to go get the slaves, bring them back. And then that's how it's, that's how it all started. Dude. <laughs> that is yeah. literally how it all started. That's crazy. And to tell people that that don't know, and then to have have them not know. Is that's probably your first problem right there? Is you don't even know where the police came from. <laughs> that's I'm that's fucking crazy. And then their whole job, their entire time has yeah. been to catch black people and right. take their bodies for real. Like they like like this Prince dude yes. that uh, Coates is talking about who got shot in his jeep. You know, like on his way to like where was he? He was visiting someone. Yeah, it was just fucked, and uh, Coates was saying he wasn't even, like, he wasn't tight with Prince, really, you know, like, he was a mutual friend, somebody just had a warm welcome for, and mm -hmm. just maybe had a brief conversation with in passing, at a party, something like that, shared a beer with. It it hit him hard because, um, like, he saw himself in Prince, you know, like, and, and so, and then in in turn, he sees the sun and prints and things like that, you know? Um, yeah, I don't, 
I mean, that part is fucked. Uh, talking about the cops right now, like, in this book and, like, with the overall, like, uh, like, the social thermometer of things. Yeah. Like, I, it's a conversation that needs to be had and it needs not in just, like, this room, you know, but, like, hopefully the neighbors are fucking talking about it, you know, like, yeah. um, it's some crazy shit. Uh, and this whole part yeah. in the book is, like, pretty... It's intense. Pretty he goes nuts. on just a couple of sentences later in the next paragraph. He says, Prince Jones was one of one, and they had destroyed his body, scorched his shoulders and arms, ripped open his back, mangled lung, kidney, and liver. I sat there feeling myself a heretic, believing only in this one-shot life in the body. For the crime of destroying the body of Prince Jones, I did not believe in forgiveness. When the assembled mourners bowed their heads in prayer, I was divided from them because I believed that the void would not answer back. That's it's like a numbing feeling. Like mm -hmm. that was that was how long ago? And that was before things were even like captured on a camera phone and put right. on blast like they are right. today. Right. And so it, it, that feeling is only magnified. Me personally, like. I feel that on times 10 right now, 100 right now. Like Because you're seeing it. Because you're yeah. seeing it. Like I said, I'm working out, minding my own damn business, listening to something else that's educational, and I'm taken out of that <laughs> element, and I'm watching this black man get destroyed. Right. And everybody's just talking about it. Just They're, they're really just talking about it like it could, it could be okay. It might be all right. You know what I mean? But it's not. And that, I mean, that's, that's something that's, there's a whole, like, a whole car, a whole van with a family in it that caught a stray bullet. Thank God nobody else got murdered, but that's how reckless the police yeah. are being. People are waiting in line for their food. There's a whole drive through of cars and they're shooting a man around everybody else. I mean, absolutely ridiculous, dude. It um, is crazy. It's fucking crazy. Let's, I mean, let's, let's, let's kind of, let's sidebar here and kind of talk about that. Um, that you're seeing that on the news, you know, like the whole instance of this person, like, uh, Coates goes in and talks like what the quote you just read, it made him a person like that's, this is a person you took his life, you know? Yeah. Now think about what you watch on TV. Like, uh, I watch fucking cartoons on TV, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Pro wrestling. And then, and then you turn on the news and you see a, a person. Dying. Like a human person. Literally dying. dying. That's, and. This ain't one, no UFC fight where people no. signed up to beat the shit out of each no, other and knock each other out. This is a cop fucking, that was water, I'm sorry. Oh, it's, um, it's just water. That was a cop stealing somebody's body and soul for real. They just stole that and you can never get that back. And I think, I think that's fucked up that they're showing that on TV, you know, like it, yeah. it, it opens a, it opens, sorry, it opens a conversation, you know, like being like, whoa, dude, that's, that's messed the fuck up, you know, that people are doing that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that cops are doing that, people that we have a social contract with to be like, please protect us, you know, like, yeah, and then they kill people, um, it, like, it's a tightrope, but then you think about, they, Dom, can you remember, can you, in your time, being alive on this earth, 
white people are killed by police. Have you ever seen a white person get killed by the police, justly or unjustly, on the news? Have you ever seen that played out? I have not. <laughs> so so the, what I'm getting at here is why is it normalized for me to see, uh, like, it, down to it, right? I don't know that, man. It's a black body. Mm-hmm. Why is it normal for me as a white dude to see that and be like, oh, they got another one or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, but I don't, I don't see a white body that resonates with me, the majority, you know, like, I don't see that because they don't want to show that. Why is it okay that the media wants to show? But they'll show Dylan Roof eating fast Burger food King, and dude. getting getting the water like assisted to him. He doesn't have to lift a fucking finger, and he took count like a number of lives so, after he fucking prayed with them. I mean, so deliberately did some shit. So I mean, you, and admitted it was proud of it He's and they mean, said you want some food or you hung- you must be hungry huh after, yeah it, I, 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 I hard think, work I think I, <laughs> yeah that's they, what they, I got from that damn know. that was hard work they fucking isn't know it? dude like, that, that was and, tough welcome to the club here's your McDonald's fucking Arby's or whatever the fuck <laughs> and uh, so so I mean think about the implications of that that it's like it's okay to show it but oh look at this black person be murdered yeah or, look at this black person lose their life I'm not even gonna like they've normalized like, it it's it's normalized and it's making it acceptable and I've never seen a white dude get get die on TV you know um except for the one, the one I is that juggalo that was running away from the cops and then offs himself. Mm. You've seen that video. It went around for a little bit, but oh, that's that's the only one. I seen, and he did it. Yeah, and he did it. Yeah, you know, and so, so it's that's fucked up. And it, that's, that's now another. we have compilations of black people getting bodied on TV for real. We have compilations of that. There's enough to put compilations together that last. Minutes. No, 20, 30, 40 minutes, hour. They last. It's fucked. <laughs> they last too long. And it's like, it's aired on national TV that normalizing it. And once you normalize something, eventually, somehow they can twist it to make it okay. Well, that's, the, that's the, why I don't watch that shit because it's way, not okay. With okay, me. so here's back to, I'm going to backtrack yeah. just a little bit. I feel like. Everybody donating and everything right now. Now I'm I'm for that, but in a sense, it feels like those commercials with the fucking the fucked up animals or the starving children. Yeah. And it's like now the narrative is Black Lives Matter. Please donate your X amount of dollars for to to save one black life to bail out one peaceful protester. I'm like, this is some. Fucking idiocracy shit or something. Um, you know what I mean? Would like, it would it be sort of that <laughs> quote that you had mentioned? Uh, good intention as being the hall pass. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Are using, it's are, the pill to ensure yeah. the dream. It is so, the sleeping pill to ensure the dream. One hundred percent. So I, I threw my ten dollars in for this week. I'm good with the black people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, so then people think they're they're okay, and then they they yeah. go they go back to watching to watching their TV shows. To not thinking about stuff because let me oh, let me well, go back I... to my urban urban catalog 
What? <laughs> and why are you calling us urban? We don't all live in an urban area. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's weird shit. And like, uh, I don't know about your Instagram feed or your Twitter feed or what, but like, uh, I seen a lot of people with stories, you know, where they're holding signs, Black Lives Matter signs, you know, like, yeah, dude. Um, and I, I, I went. I admittedly, I only went to, and I, I am only attending nonviolent protests because of my job and, yes. and what I need to do in my working hours too. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to justify it for you guys uh, because it's justified for me. Yeah, um, no, not everybody and, needs to be out there on the and, street protesting. That's not everybody's place. But what I'm getting at is. I, dude, you're fucking, you're posting a picture of you holding a sign, like, eh, look at me, like, like you're at a fucking zoo, dude, like, like you're at a NASCAR show, like, something, people are getting their ballet poses off, yes, for the perfect picture, I guarantee you, people are going to stand up on top of the statue that they've always wanted to, but now they can, Uh they're just going there to open up a bottle because they can in the middle of the street, because you can't usually do that. You can't walk up in front of the police and light a joint and not get arrested. Right. But because we're peacefully protesting, yeah, you can until 9 o'clock when they throw tear gas at you. Right. Yeah, you can get away with all that shit. And then uh, the same the same thing, like, I know some people that went to, the, like, the the civil disobedient ones, you know, the ones mm-hmm. where when windows were broken and I'm in full support of that, I don't give a shit. Uh, burn everything down. This world is fucked. Um, but they went just to say they went, you know, yeah. they, they have no, no connection to the movement, no thoughts on the movement. They are just, shit's going down. I'm going to go and watch it. You know, um, but people's lives are at stake. You know what I'm saying? And it's, 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 it's not, you should not, you should not do this to get fucking this points. Isn't, no, this is not to chase clout or to gain popularity. Although a lot of people I see out here is. That seems to be what the fuck they're doing. They're just capitalizing off of capitalism. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's just fighting fire with fire. And yep. it's not... Right. I mean, it looks good, you know? It's, uh... I don't know, doing the whole social media, like, resharing all the posts. It seems just like a low-hanging fruit for people to grab and get that whole pass. And I, th- I think people are... People are, like, struggling every day to, like, post something because they're like, I don't want people to think that I don't care. Yeah. Um, as opposed to actually getting the information out there, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't it's all It's all weird stuff, but talking about it and doing stuff about it is more than not so supportive of any way. You know, I, you need to question your attention, intentions as you do things, though. Absolutely. Especially, especially as a white person. You know, Back it what, up. What is your intention in doing this? You know, the uh, best thing for you to do might not to even speak up or do anything. You might just need to shut the fuck up and listen. That's <laughs> that is nine point eight times out of ten. Yeah, that needs to happen. Um, I, I yeah, I know. You probably do need to shut the fuck up. I, yeah, um, and listen, and you know, you can't learn all this shit over Tumblr. I think you need to open up some real-ass books, you know. I like, bet you know one black person, and you should probably just hit him up. Ask him. Ask him. If you don't fucking know, ask him. Ask him what it's like, you know. 
don't be rude though, because there's a fine line, man. It's a fine line. <laughs> How you made that clear earlier with the buying the coffee, man. Yeah, know, like, it's it's weird. It's just a weird. I mean, how would you feel? I mean, like, I don't know if you've seen, like you said, you don't see the white people get murdered on TV like no. that. But if if you've seen somebody that looked exactly like you get murdered for no fucking reason by somebody who's supposed to protect you, and then all this outrage goes on, and then you're just out, out minding your own business trying to buy something for yourself because you're independent mm-hmm. and you can. And then somebody sees you that's not like you, and they feel guilty. And they're like, damn, what should I do? What can I do? Oh, I can buy this coffee. And then they just won't think about that today. Oh, I'm, that's such a... I did something nice. That's such a good deed. Oh, man, my white guilt is washed away. Or my black oh, guilt, is, if it's reversed, is wiped away. But no. <laughs> I, did, I did something it's nice, and then I go weird, work at man. Wells Fargo. And, like, fucking just be, like financially beat the shit out of people like dude people fuck this world dude oh my god <laughs> let's move on to the book um before i start losing my fucking mind and bashing my skull um yeah so so, so we talked about prince mm-hmm. and um i do kind of want to mention it was it was kind of it was odd i think it was odd placing in the book that he talked about going to france I think so too. With his family, but I also I also understand where what it means, you know, like being like, um, this is this is our experience here in the United States, uh, but other place like this is just one part of the world, you know, and he had a totally different experience there than he did, um, like in Baltimore, right? Yeah, and I think he wanted to highlight that and like, uh, I don't know squat about. French culture, I'll, or anything yeah. French. I, I know about macaroons. Kickback. Yeah, about a band everyone likes named Kickback. And uh, I know they had a, a really badass revolution, you know. Uh, but that's about it. Napoleon. You know? Yeah, Napoleon. Uh, I like him and Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. <laughs> Tour de France. Yeah, Tour de France. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I'm... But what he what he wrote about in that in that part is basically like how he felt like he like traveling and like being somewhere other than where he'd been like kind of just opens his eyes a little bit you know absolutely and I, and I thought the placement of it was kind of odd like his friend passed I went to Paris and then he comes back and goes and visits his mom or maybe I'm getting things like because I read it late at night so maybe I'm getting things a little tipsy in my brain i don't know um but i would love to go to france and he made me want to go there even more yeah through that so i think uh out of the european places that i i've been to the french were probably the nicest really yeah because i i think they the germans are mean bro I could, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I got in a, I almost got in a fight in Germany for really? real. Yeah. But and it was on some I said hell yeah. Okay. And they said you dirty American. And it almost turned into a fight for real. Like they squared up and everything and I was like I looked around and it's a bunch of angry Germans and we're not from there. 
That's weird. That's so weird. <laughs> yeah, we were having a normal conversation, and I responded with a hell yeah, and he was offended that I said hell yeah. He oh. called me a dirty American, and things got real intense. It got weird. Yeah, that yeah, is super weird. weird. <laughs> but, but your experiences in France were positive um, for the most especially part. Especially in like French Canada. That's oh, more sure. of where I've been for my French experience. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hard to talk to those people, but they're nice, man. They're, they actually try to communicate and shit. They don't just blow you off like every other country I've been to. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he, t- he talks about that, but then, uh, you know, he, he looks up uh, Prince's mom. Mm-hmm. And he goes and visits her, and a lot of their conversation is just, or what he, what he what he notes about their conversation is pretty, you know, like deep and like, you know, kind of know, like what like philosophical almost like about experience like the like the overall black experience in the United States or something, you know. Um, but I don't know, dude. Uh, she seemed pretty cool. Um, if asked, she if asked if she expected that the police officer who had shot Prince would be charged, she said yes. Her voice was a cocktail of emotions. She spoke like an American, with the same expectations of fairness, even fairness belated and begrudged that she took it that she took into medical school all those years ago. And she spoke like a black woman with all the pain that undercuts those exact feelings. Right? Like, so she's like, that part was, that part was heavy for me because she's like, you like have those like American values, like of justice and like, um, what's right, you know, will happen. Right. Like that's a big thing. Like in America is like, is justice, like a sense Mm -hmm. of justice, you know? And, um, I think that community has been denied that so much, you know, that it almost creates like a cognitive dissonance, you know, Man, and like, yeah. and people are like, that term well, I, right there is heavy I, cognitive dissonance. I right. just that term alone, when I was in college, I, uh-huh. I was studying that. I chose that as my topic. Oh yeah. And I quit. <laughs> That's when I came yeah. to terms with my like struggle with institutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just ironic that I was studying cognitive dissonance. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> and then and, and your experience <laughs> in that in school, you know, like yeah, and uh, but I mean, then think of, think of that, like, I mean, you don't, you know, but like like a whole culture of people like having the, this is how the United States is is that it's just and like we look at, but then. Mm-hmm. So that's that's fed to you, and that's like a value system here. But then, it's like, oh shit! Like we don't get that. Why don't we get that? Right? Uh, I mean, everything when you break it down like that, a lot of things fucking start making sense to me as a white dude. You know, like yeah, being like, yeah, I'd be pissed off too, bro. Like, yeah, I'd be way more than pissed off. Um, and then this. This, on page 145, okay. I, I don't, like, write a lot of notes next to things, but I wrote a one next to this, and I don't remember why, but we're going to talk, and I'll be able to tell you. Um, 
She alluded to twelve years a slave. There he was, she said, speaking of Solomon Northup. He had means. He had a family. He was living like a human being, and one racist act took him back. And the same is true of me. I spent years developing a career, acquiring assets, engaging responsibilities, and one racist act is all it takes, right? Uh, because by what that means, the one racist act, you know, like of the cop mm -hmm. taking the life of her son, you know, like, um, I think a lot of times, like you see this when, when you're outside looking in, you know, like the American, or not even America, but the United States uh, narrative is pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, if you put in the work, good things will happen. The dream, right? right? The, dream the dream that he keeps alluding yeah. to. And she achieved, she achieved that dream through many hardships and like doing all this shit, you know, it, like to where she's like, her kid could have gone to Princeton or Yale, you know? Yeah. Um, so she, she did everything right by the book, like that they have written for her. So she did that, all that, but then all it takes is one act and it's like, Oh, I guess none of that fucking mattered, bro. You Like, is, does that kind of make sense? What I'm saying there? I think like that's, that was my take of that, I suppose is one racist act. And then it's just like, none of that mattered. Yeah. Like that, that I played by their rules, you know? Yeah. And that I, you know, and I mean, that's losing a kid. I can't imagine that, you know, but losing it under circumstances, losing them under circumstances like this, like fuck that. Yeah. Fuck that shit. And, um, how Coates paints the picture of, of her, um, stoic, kind, um, and just like a loving person, you know, smart lady, a hard worker and all of that. Like, um, I can't believe she's not more pissed, you know. That's that that's what uh, I think something he was touching on that we'll never understand. Yeah. With women, like the things that they go through. Look at, I mean, look at the, for instance, like I don't know if you paid attention to when Nipsey Hussle passed, but at his funeral, his mother was so strong, for real. Like she was talking. To everybody out there, like, it wasn't her son that was just murdered. Mm -hmm. And she was giving us all strength. But it was her son. She gave birth to that man. And he was taken from her. And she, she, was, she, was, she was being calm, the backbone for everyone cool, else. and collective. And she gave everybody else the strength they needed. Like, as, as me personally, how? Right. How? <laughs> I, I can't touch that. I don't yeah. I have no clue, man. That's something that I... Um, that's the power of a woman, for real. That's that's where I just... I just bow down to that. Like, for real. 100%. <laughs> I, I couldn't... I know I wouldn't be able to do that, like... With even, like, my years of trying to tame my emotions. And, like, dude, yeah, I'd be... Yeah, that's hard enough as it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be out of my fucking mind, dude. Um... So the, I mean, they he t he talks with her. Do you have Do you have any notes from this section? Or? Um. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's a couple pages later. I believe it's after he kind of talks to her. Mm -hmm. Um. What I'm trying to see what um. So 
I left the Mecca knowing that this was all too pat, knowing that should dreamers reap what they had sown, we would reap it right with them. Plunder has matured into habit and addiction. The people who could author the mechanized death of our ghettos, the mass rape of our private prisons, then engineer their own forgetting, must inevitably plunder much more. This is not a belief in prophecy, but in the seductiveness of cheap gasoline. And then he says, the earth is not our creation. It has no respect for us. It has no use for us. And its vengeance is not the fire in the cities, but the fire in the sky. Something more fierce than Marcus Garvey is riding on the whirlwind. Something more awful than all of our African ancestors is rising with the seas. The two phenomena are known to each other. It was the cotton that passed through our chained hands that inaugurated this age. It is the flight from us that sent them sprawling into the subdivided woods. In the methods of transport through these new subdivisions across the sprawl is the automobile, the noose around the neck of the earth, and ultimately the dreamers themselves. And this is the last part. Said, and, I, and still I urge you to struggle. Struggle for the memory of your ancestors. Struggle for the wisdom. Struggle for the warmth of Mecca. Struggle for your grandmother and grandfather. For your name. But do not struggle for the dreamers. Hope for them. Pray for them. If you are so moved. But do not pin your struggle on their conversion. The dreamers will have to learn to struggle themselves. To understand that the field for their dream the stage where they have painted themselves white is the deathbed of us all. The dream is the same habit that endangers the planet. The same habit that sees our bodies stowed away in prisons and ghettos. So wake up from that fucking dream. Yeah. And, <laughs> and uh, so I, while listening to that and while reading that, um, my thoughts are, you know, if you're... You're a white person reading this book. Uh, he, you're being talked to right now, in this in this little section. You know, like yeah, uh, you're a dreamer, um, and yeah, Dom, like what you said, you need to kind of wake up and like be like, yo, like it's just not fair. And if I don't know, at least for me, like if if it's not right by all of us, it's not right for one of us. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, like. Um, I'm glad people are opening their eyes. Yeah, it it does. It is a little frustrating sometimes when I talk to people that seem like their eyes are just now open because there's still some ignorance. But that's where I gotta take my time to fall back and grow, and have patience for these people that are just now realizing mm -hmm. because that's not necessarily their fault, you know. But I gotta give them time to catch up. Yeah. Because I've been <laughs> thinking like this and fearing for my life for 30 years now, for real. Like, right. I had, I seen a video of this little boy playing basketball. I just saw that too. And I, I the only thing that I thought is, damn, I did that growing up, for real. I hid under cars when police drove by. I fucking hid behind my shed when police drove by my trailer park and shit. Anytime mm -hmm. I seen police at school, psh, I'm gone the other way. I've, that is literally the only fear that I really have. I was taught not to fear anybody that breathed the same air as me. But uh, when you grow up seeing these people just destroy people like us, 
back to back to back to back for 30 years plus years for real and then to learn the shit on my own that they don't teach us about what they did to us that is that is a real fear I, I when I get pulled over I have to tell them I'm I'm nervous so no I'm not on fucking drugs mm-hmm. I'm shaking cause I can't control my fucking nerves cause you already have your hand on your gun and I didn't do nothing you just pulled me over and you haven't told me a reason yet <laughs> I gotta tell you I'm fucking nervous so you don't act nervous you're right dude. Like, why should why am I scared I should well, why, why, why should you be because the social contract or at least what what's said is that yeah. uh, these that institution should be looking after you and ensuring that you're safe and not not villainizing you and, and what's like, crazy is even even if I tell them that I'm scared. I tell them I'm scared. They use that and they Why control it. They control it. And you know what I say? This is legit. I've literally said this to the police. Because I'm a black man in America and you are you. You have your job. And I am where I am. And I was born with a black daddy. <laughs> That's why I'm fucking scared. You know what he did? Oh, I'll search your nuts. <laughs> Didn't find nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. That's just... That's where we at. Yeah. Oh, uh, so I, I, I oh, this book was a read. There was a lot of powerful parts for Man. me. Um, I apologize if it strayed here and there. What do you mean? This is exactly what we wanted. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Good. Um, but we're not done. <laughs> I hope you don't have somewhere to be. Uh, <laughs> um, just a few more things. Um, yeah. So, I it was a good read. Um, There's actually I didn't even get to say my favorite quote. Oh, would you do you have it ready? Um, yeah. So this is the quote that like actually it's only on page eighteen. Once I got to that, I I had took a break from reading it and took this quote in because I was like, This is exactly how I feel. Like mm-hmm. and then after I let that sink in and I really embraced it and I was ready to be open for the rest of the book, it man, it was like floodgates open. You said you read it in two days. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I've been forcing myself to read, but this wasn't something that I had to force myself to yeah. read at all. Like once I, this is what it said. It said that he was outnumbered did not matter because the whole world had outnumbered him long ago. And what do numbers matter? This was a war for the possession of his body and that would be the war of his whole life. And that's that's exactly how we started it. That's yeah. how the book ends, talking about protecting your body yeah and like people wanting to steal your fucking body like the way he talks about it just using the word body mm-hmm. not black man not white man not it's a body everybody has a fucking body that's fucking relatable person dude yeah, yeah. that is a heavy, <laughs> that is fucking heavy as fuck dude that was that is the single most important quote to me out of this book That yeah. he was outnumbered did not matter because the whole world had outnumbered him long ago. And what do numbers matter? This was a war for the possession of his body, and that would be the war of his whole life. That's yeah. that's the the book. <laughs> in, yeah. in a nutshell, for real. Yeah, is that that you're? It's like you're struggling against these institutions and these uh, mindsets of people. Like a collective people, that like, I'm uh, essentially that you, this is a person, 
yeah in like a, a human form and it's not uh, a commodity yeah it's not not uh, something to have ownership over it's 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 not a commodity it's a person a body is a person it's not a commodity and it's it's not a statistic it's not uh anything except a life you know um a lot a lot of pro-life people aren't pro-black and i think that's interesting it's very interesting um is <laughs> a so it's an it's a it's a it's a good read it flowed real nice i like that it was written to his son i wonder if the intention i i wonder the intention behind it if it was i'm just writing this for my son and that oh I'm, it came out as a book or if it was like I'm going to write this book for my son. You know, like, I'd be curious yeah. about that intention. I didn't look too into it. I uh, had watched an interview with him, and he said the inspiration, inspiration, I believe, if I remember correctly, he said the inspiration for the book was his son's reaction to uh, Michael Brown being Yeah, he, gets, yeah. he dives into that yeah, a lot. That. Yeah. That's also something I wanted to touch on real quick. Yeah. When that happened, I was, I believe I was in California, and my cousin actually had just became a cop really in the bay area so we were talking about this stuff mm -hmm. and it was the last time that i ever hung out with him because he told me he would have done the same thing and i couldn't bet i couldn't understand especially me being there yeah like he's he's a white man but um so it was my mom's cousin by marriage second mm -hmm. cousin by marriage so it's really my third cousin distant relative but up until this point, is somebody that I just believed to be family. Every time I seen him, it was love. I asked him about this situation, Mike Brown being killed. He said he was a thug. And he said, it's you or me that has to make it home tonight. As a police officer, if that's what you're thinking, you're doing your job wrong. Because that's what's on our minds. Look, I just got to make it home tonight. You pulled me over. Mm -hmm. you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be thinking... I just pulled this over, this person over. Man, I, I got to make it home tonight. I, no, you pulled them over for some reason. You got to inform them on everything. Everything. Yeah. Man, I just... That's when I just knew shit was really, really fucked up for real. Like, my own family that I'm supposed to trust yeah. is now the police. <laughs> <laughs> and they said they would have killed me if it was me and I did the same thing that Michael Brown did. God, that's fucked, dude. Yeah, dude. My, I mean, oh, that's that was crazy. That I was, was outraged. I, yeah, I, I was outraged. I hopped on a train. I remember when that happened. I was, I was lifting weights at the rec center in Iowa City, you know, and like that popped on the news, and I was like, "All right, here we go." Yeah, and no, that was that was really. I cried. I fucking I cried for. Stop crying after so long. I, mm -hmm. Like, in the gym when I was crying the other day, yesterday, when I seen Rayshon from Atlanta mm -hmm. get murdered, it wasn't because I was sad. I'll, I'm enraged. Yeah. It's, it's my blood is boiling and, like, it's coming out in tears. <laughs> like, right. it's boiling and it just has nowhere to go, so it's coming out in tears because my body can't do nothing else. Except <laughs> sweat and it's all, I, I, precipitate. <laughs> I think it almost boils down to like it's like hopeless or helpless, you know, like you know, like because it just keeps happening. And um, 
That's I mean, there's, there's only terrible so many, options. There's, <laughs> there's only so many ways you can communicate that it's not fair. You know, that's fucked up. And Without being completely fucking violent. For yeah. Real. I was, it's only uh, a matter of time. Like, I'm, I am, I'm surprised it hasn't yes. gotten to that yet. I am, I am too, man. And especially with how people, this how, how, the, how the police are reacting to things. Like, it, it, it fuels more. You know, like... Yeah, this like, isn't new. This isn't something that people have been <laughs> dealing with just for the past 10 years. Like, he said in the book... <laughs> We were slaves longer than we've been free. Yeah. We're that's, not even close to being out of this shit. That's some heavy shit to think about, too. You know, like, in in the scheme of human years and earth years and, like, shit like that, that ain't too long ago, you know? At all. No. No. Look, <laughs> I talked to my grandfather who was, <laughs> he was born in a whorehouse, like, and not able to be around white people at all you know what I mean that happened in his lifetime he's still alive yeah like I could talk to him and have conversations about that he knows plenty of people who were in civil rights movements back then mm-hmm. we're still having quote-unquote civil rights movements today yeah, it, it, <laughs> and it, we're fighting for literally the same shit the only difference is we don't have the bathrooms of fucking in fountain, drinking fountains and restaurants. But if you still go into certain neighborhoods, it's definitely segregated. Oh, yeah. And you definitely get treated different for going certain places. You just know, I shouldn't go over to that side of town. I shouldn't go to this place. Whatever. I, I probably can't move out to the, the west side because that's where the rich people are. <laughs> I know not to drive out in West Des Moines when it's dark outside. You know what I mean? These are things we shouldn't worry about. No, you should be, people should be able to, like, be people. Fucking you know, like, going on a jog? Oh, that's fucked, dude. That's so fucked. It's so crazy. It's, it's why it's, I hop on a bike and plan fitness instead. <laughs> it's, but for real, like, just a couple blocks from my house is where this kid almost got beat to death. Oh, yeah. I was that kid one time in school. I had white boys beating me up. On some KKK shit. That happened just blocks down the street from where I live currently. Like, and me and my buddy you are talking about going on morning jogs and shit. Like, oh, am I going to jog with my pistol now? Like, fuck that. Like, <laughs> I could, but I don't want to. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's stupid. It is stupid that that's something that you have to think about, man. Yeah. That's so fucking stupid, <laughs> I'd, I'm gonna go into a Planet Fitness instead, <laughs> <laughs> and that's whack. <laughs> yeah, Planet Fitness sucks, dude. Uh, but that's that's really part of the thinking behind it, for real. Mm-hmm. Like, and you know, I don't, I don't know where I want to go. I, I just want to uh, thank you uh, to my family for not being humongous assholes and like, you know preach like thank you for preaching inclusivity and all that and like allowing me to grow in in myself and allowing yourselves to also learn as i learned you know um Mm -hmm. uh, my my family's been real chill like about like uh that's a blessing about hearing stuff like like and they've been open to hearing about it too you know um i've had conversations with my grandfather and i mean he has 180 
on the in. Uh, well, that's what's up. Yeah, I th- I think that's great. My um, grandpa has too. That's sweet. And I've I mean, been talking about a and, lot of what's going on now a lot with them. And and it's not like like that. It's just like overall, like you know, something will just get brought up, and I challenge it, and he like, well, you know, I never thought of it like that before, you know, like, and I think that's a lot of people. A lot of people get caught up in Coates' dream, you know, like trying to chase that, and they they don't. They people don't, they will don't cross care. fucking oceans literally to be a part of that dream uh-huh. because it's sold so well. Yeah, and then it's that's that's all you get focused on is trying to like get your shit better or whatever, you know. But like, uh, you're not privy to the whole picture, dog. You know, like, uh, yeah. And that, I, I'm glad people are thinking about it. Um, I'm glad there's texts like this that uh, challenge me and my place in the world. Like, because when we really break down my level of stuff, I'm, like, at top tier of privilege. You know, white, male, uh, I have a master's degree, and all this, you know, like, I have money, like, not a lot. Yeah. Uh, I work at a nonprofit, don't get a twisted dog. You know, but, uh, <laughs> like, um, yeah, I, I have a fair amount of privilege, and uh, it's, this was a good exercise for me um, to check that and to expand on things further you know and because this uh this type of thinking you never you never achieve it you always have to be working on it as a white dude Mm -hmm. Um, so i would say read this but uh question your attention on reading it um definitely be ready to humble yourself also learn about intersectionality oh definitely yeah if you don't already know what that is, I think, I don't know, learning about that is what helped me, like, understand privilege more, yeah. understand my privilege and place in the universe more and how other people perceive things and not always question why people reacted certain ways to certain oh, things. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah that's, a, that's a good point, Cake. Thank you for bringing that up. Uh, and I'll, I'll echo that for sure. As, as white people who are continuing our path on being... Um, uh, culturally sensitive and uh, inclusive and growing in ourselves as people, uh, 100%. Um, do not read this book thinking that it is, you know, your your good deed as a white person for the week or whatever. Um, I think it's easy for people to get caught up in shit like that. Um, yeah, that's that's the book. Um, I kind of wanted to, you know, also talk about like the overall like along the lines of it like the defunding the police the conversation that we're having now um i agree uh i think uh how it's being pitched we need we need to think about that you know um because we say defund the police and then the majority are like who's going to protect us you know um i think what we need to say is hey we need the cops to have less money and we need more money and more thought being put into uh, models of housing first um, with like uh, an evidence-based practice that almost eliminates homelessness. You know, um, we need to look at uh, prevention programs like uh, Absolutely. education. Outreach programs. The, outreach. Just like the, um, the hip-hop program that I do. Yes. That is an after-school outreach program that reaches the kids that, mm-hmm. in my case, are inner-city Des Moines. Don't have if they're not in my class and or if they're not in boys and girls or a, a sport, they're at a park, 
doing shit. Yep. Like, and when I say shit, explicit shit of any degree, because I hear about it, you know? So-and-so went to the park, hooked up with this girl. This girl went to the park with two boys. You know what I mean? The stories go on and on and on. Yeah. This is when people start, kids start doing this shit. Mm-hmm. They're exposed to it. Sixth, seventh, eighth grade, they're highly influential. They ain't got anybody to occupy their time after school. When school gets out early, when is which is when I do my program. Yeah, they gonna be. <laughs> oh, of course. They gonna be doing some yeah. fuck shit. I definitely did when I was that age too. I didn't have no programs like that. Yeah. Um, so I got in fights and vandalized yeah. shit. <laughs> and and like like prevention programs, outreach programs. Yeah. Uh, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that like art teachers have to buy their own fucking paint. Yeah. Uh, why don't Why don't we give more money to schools and like support in that and not like. A, a reactionary thing like where it's like oh well there's crime well why don't we prevent crime you know yeah. there's there's thousands and thousands and thousands of pages on why of is research. somebody stealing what the, are they stealing for <laughs> who would ever think to look at something like that oh wait countless sociologists countless psychologists countless social psychologists you know like why don't why is it that we don't look at the research on things? You know, like, and I get it, a lot of that shit's skewed and, like, weird, and you can write a research paper to match anything you think, you know? Yeah. But damn, dude, I think there's really something to say about strain theory, you know, and why crimes are committed because there's a fucking strain on you. What the fuck? Absolutely. I think there's something about labeling theory. If we give cops a whole bunch of fucking riot gear why wouldn't people act violently like they've set the stage you know let the ambush begin (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, I also what else Uh, I think we need to take a serious look at mental health and I think that needs to be funded I think that is Um, probably one of the most important things after what we're already dealing with for real mental health is so overlooked it's a joke it's a straight up fucking joke in Iowa it's a joke I will say that I'm probably one of the best therapists so, just kidding. <laughs> um, but, like, defund the police actually means fund community. Yes, put more investment into your community yeah, for real. Because, it, I, listen, dude, I'm not going to say anything. I go to the gym, and a lot of a lot of the dudes who are well-intentioned people, they're like, I know exactly what they're thinking because they talk. You know, and it's like, defund the police, you know, like... Well, then, like, that's just, that's a cornerstone of our shit. No, chaos. Dude, no, no. In, instead of looking at crime as something that is inevitable, why don't we try and eliminate crime through ways where it, it doesn't need to exist? Yeah. So that means, that means giving people safe and affordable housing. That means, oh, tons of prevention programs, as in, like, uh, like, substance abuse stuff mm-hmm. um parenting uh relationship building connection to other things like your outreach program and stuff connection to other things besides like you know like a negative th- negative stuff or like yeah. um stuff of uh stuff of the body right like dude of course people want to fucking do drugs yes because it feels good you know, like why they stimulate <coughs> another part of them, you yeah. know? And on that line, we Give need them to, access to stimulate their brain. We need to decriminalize marijuana because everyone does marijuana. Man. 
every I don't know one single person that's not straight edge, that's not a total fucking square loser that doesn't do partake pot. in cannabis in some form or fashion. Everyone fucking does pot. And that's not even the it. point. It's so beneficial. It is. I could go on a whole podcast about this shit because that shit changed my fucking life for real. For, for like, sure. I could also do a whole thing <laughs> about straight edge. So, <laughs> um, but, man, we need to decriminalize it because it's it's just another way to. It's uh, just another peg target. Peg and go for someone, around. you know? Like, yeah. Oh, I, I bet they smoke pot. Yeah, because fucking ninety six percent of the world smokes pot. If it wasn't. If it was decriminalized, I would have nothing on my record at all. That is the only thing that I've ever gotten in trouble for. And it's just because that they say we're not supposed to have it where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. it, it's, but they that, can have it over there. Yeah. <laughs> decriminalize that, I think we would see a lot less crime. So right? put, put more yeah, funding yeah. into healthcare, too. Yes, 100%. Yeah, one, uh, one person I've been... Fo- this is like... I don't know, not as important, but something that I've been, like, researching a lot lately is this guy from South Central Los Angeles named Ron Finley started doing a thing called Gorilla Gardening. Oh, where, yeah, that's just Yeah, tight. it's really tight. Yeah. There's, like, thousands and thousands of vacant lots in South Central LA, and he just started gardening so he could give uh, organic produce, have it readily available for all these neighborhoods so they wouldn't have to drive 45 minutes round trip to pay yeah. five bucks yeah. for a pound of organic apples. Yeah. They can get it right down the street. That's that's another thing, dude. Like, we need to seriously look at how communities are set up because yeah. uh, low, a lot of times low-income communities are in food deserts. Oh, yeah. Like there, there's 26 million people yeah. in this country. It's only fast food, food around. Deserts. For real. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, defund the police. I agree. I th- The larger conversation needs to be how do we do that? Yeah. And, and what makes that more beneficial? And I th- sometimes you got to play to your audience, you know, and understand that the like the people who are all older than us, like forties, fifties, you know, and like people in government, uh, they don't want shit to change because they capitalized on this shit. There's been nothing bad in their lives, you know, the the like in between Vietnam to 2011, it was just prosperity, you know, like there was no challenging bullshit. They think life is sick, you know, because they've had nothing. Other than 9-11, yeah. they think and, and then, is beautiful. And that just brought us together even more, for real. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nationalism and, like, pitching. Like, dude, it's just ridiculous. So sometimes you need to play to your audience. And uh, radical radical thinking is, I'm on board, man. Uh, but if we need other people on board, too, you know. And mm-hmm. so we need to think about that. Um, so... If you're listening and you're thinking about like, oh, you know, you're just out there, defund the police, you know, expand on your thoughts. Don't be an, don't be just an echo, you know. Um, we need, there's something about groupthink, and even if it's for the good stuff, you know, the right stuff. If you think as a group and you just have the same sentiments and you keep going, are you really part of the solution? That I mean, that's my thinking there. Um, housing first. Housing first. Housing first. <laughs> yeah mental health mental Dom, health for sure I would like to give you the floor to end this man um thank you I have uh I've been really questioning myself and where I need to be during all of this because I feel like I'm too angry to be out protesting for real 
making irrational decisions like I feel like some people out there are doing for real like um so I took time to really gain some clarity and then I happened to finish this book right as everything was popping off and I feel like it was just life giving me the knowledge that I needed at the right fucking time for real and then I happened to get uh, two other books by him and all the Black Panther so if if you do end up reading this, um, Tenehasi Coates also has another book called The Beautiful Struggle, which is a memoir about his father who was in World War, um, not World War, Vietnam War, and it's about him growing up in Baltimore, so it touches on things that are relevant mm -hmm. in this book as well, about raising Tenehasi as coming up, so it even goes in more depth. I haven't read that yet, but I've skimmed through it and stuff. That's a good one, and, uh... I just appreciate you letting my voice be heard and listening to me for real. Like like you said, the tip of the iceberg. Now now we on a different level. So I, I'm I'm one hundred percent honored that you shared that stuff with me, man. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Um I just hope it wasn't jumbled up so that everybody out there that's potentially listening can actually take it in. You know what? They, I was a little nervous. <laughs> me too, man. Um But yeah, nah. Thanks, I, man. I don't know what else to say. For real. I do. Listen to this shit. <laughs> <laughs> this has been a book club. Thank you this for tuning is a book in. Club. Thank you so much, Dom, for having uh, yeah, coming coming on. Um, listen to all the music that this motherfucker puts out. AKA um, Chill Mac. Chill Mac. Uh, yeah. Uh, so buy his art. Um, follow him on Instagram. Uh, he just worship the ground he walks on because this is. Dom is one of the best people I know in my life, and I know quite a few good ones. Um, yeah, honored to have him as a friend. Like honored nice to have dude. him here. Um, you know, gotta keep moshing, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>